You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello and welcome back to the Oz Network for another film episode. Uh, Today, the film episode is brought to you by The Suck Zone. It just sucks you in. Uh, Just like the movie we're going to talk about today, we're here to talk about 1996's legendary, huge, massive box office hit, Twister, in loving memory of Bill Paxton. And uh, we'll just go through the introductions here really quickly. Uh, My name is Colin, and we got cows! And my name is Ben, and I am happy. I'm a happy person. I'm happy with my life. (laughs) I'm happy with the way things are going in my life. I'm happy with... With... I know a name. I'm happy with Melissa. <laughs> that was my backup line. <laughs> my backup line was the cow one. So there you go. We worked. Nice. <laughs> it's basically because there's only two one-liners in this movie. There's not a lot of talking. Well, my third option was, in case for some reason you use both, was don't fold the maps, roll the maps. So, um... <laughs> Oh, some of my first notes have been checked off already here. <laughs> All right, that's a third of the movie done. Uh- <laughs> In case you haven't guessed it, we are talking about Twister, 1996, starring Bill Paxton, uh, recently... <laughs> I was going to say, recently dead Bill Paxton. We're not... We- <laughs> There's probably a better way to say that. <laughs> the dearly departed Bill Paxton, who we love and... Uh, uh, flip-flopped over how we would do a tribute episode, but uh, Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt and future Academy Award winner Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yes. Uh, huge cast. This We're going to go through so many of their names, uh, but we're going to cover this movie start to finish here and talk about all the ridiculous stuff in here, um, all the great effects, which really do hold up, I think. But let's just start it out and uh, talk about our first experiences watching this. And I'm going to let you go first because I don't want to go on too much of a rambling rant here because I'll have uh, quite a bit to say about how I got introduced to this. So you want to go first, Ben? You don't think I'm going to have a rambling rant because, uh, <laughs> seriously, I've got a huge rant about this. Um, I Look, I mean, I felt bad for laughing about Bill, Bill Paxson because, I mean, we, we don't... We, we're not laughing about... <laughs> I guess... I don't know how you would describe it. Like, it, when that popped up on my newsfeed, it was kind of like one of those things where you're like, no, that's not true, you know, and you you sort of... You check it a few times until you've got a couple of credible sources. Um, you know, Donald Trump, if you're listening, that's what you can do on the internet. You can check for multiple <laughs> sources. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was sad. And, you know, I, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of Bill Paxton... Um, and then kind of Colin and I got talking about, you know, potential things we could do. And as he sort of said about coming up with the tribute episode, and I guess our two options turned into Apollo 13 and Twister, which both just gave me an erection. I'm just going to point it out because they are like two of my favouritest movies. Um, and I mean, this just, yes, everything about Twister. I mean, if we were talking about Apollo 13, it would just be about my erection for Kevin Bacon. This is going to be my erection for Helen Hunt and the movie itself. Stop talking about erections, Ben. This is about tornadoes. Um, but my history, I mean, I was nine when this came out. I saw this with my mum, and I was obsessed with this movie. I I remember the lead-up, like, just seeing it, going, that looks cool, let's go see it. I remember, like, loving it and then coming home, and all I would do for, like, the next week is just draw pictures of tornadoes. I just loved... I was obsessed with tornadoes and Helen Hunt, but we'll get to that. And from there, like, I just... I wanted books on natural disasters, books on tornadoes. You know, I mean, this, again, 
pre-internet in my house, so you had to get books, people. Um, and, like, just was obsessed. And then I got this movie for Christmas on VHS, and I would watch it, I swear, like, three times a day. Uh, I was just so in love with this movie. And Helen Hunt, I'm nine years old. I hadn't hit puberty yet, but she was the greatest thing ever. Uh, and every time I watch this movie, I'm transformed back into a nine-year-old. Because, I mean, I have... Haven't seen many other movies with Helen Hunt in it where I thought, oh yeah, she's hot. Um, so it's it's all not twist- even what women want. Yeah, I guess Castaway. She's not bad. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, what women want. Good, good call. Good call. Uh, I forgot about that one. Um, but just so obsessed and like. I I used to have this thing where I, I, I love stationery, I love notebooks, so I used to just buy notebooks and write random crap in them. And one of the things I used to do was, like, write movies. Like, I would watch a movie and pause it and write, like, the script out because I'm a weird kid. <laughs> and <laughs> I used to do this with Twister. Like, I filled up, like, three notebooks just writing out the script for Twister. I would just get lazy, so I'd skip scenes I didn't like and just write. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, if we were ever to roleplay Twister, you couldn't go based on what I was writing. Again, pre-internet. Now I can just Google it. I'm sure I could find it on there. But, um, and the soundtrack, I got the sound. This is one of the very first movie soundtracks I ever owned. Because, I, I mean, I love the music and the, the theme and the score. And we'll talk about that because I know this movie is generally considered the movie that killed Van Halen's career. But I will talk about the song used because I love the Van Halen song used in this film. Again, I like Madonna and Die Another Day, so don't take my <laughs> opinions for for gospel. But yes, you, again, you're talking about ranting here, Colin. Seriously, Twister to me, if I had to rank my top ten favorite movies of all time, Twister's probably going to crack the top ten, and. I am going to, like, yes, we're going to nitpick things because that's what we do on the Oz Network, but I'm going to feel dirty afterwards that I have to nitpick Twister because I love this movie, all right? I love this so much. Rest in peace, Bill Paxton. Um, yeah, I, I thought that I was, because I was, one of the last things I was thinking when this was playing is how much I wanted to talk about how great the Humans Being song is yes. from Van Halen. I was fully expecting you to be like, I was thinking of the Lisa Loeb song. <laughs> Katie Lang. The Katie Lang one. <laughs> yeah. um, it's a very odd soundtrack. The score is great, but the soundtrack's odd. Well, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit later on. Uh, but yeah, here comes my rant. Uh, a little bit different from yours, just that my opinions change, but I'll get into my changed opinions later on. But when I saw this the first time, I was 15 when this came out. And this was like the most important summer ever for me becoming a movie fan and it reached a point where i would see uh not that i would see a hundred movies a year in the theater but i would go to the theater a hundred times in a year like every few days i was going sometimes i see two three movies in a day um i was such a huge movie buff growing up and it it sounds weird to say it started with twister but in a funny way it did um here in winnipeg we just had a theater open up called the cinema city and I don't know if every city has one of these. It was the first one we had. It opened about a year earlier where it's playing like movies that have basically been out of theaters for a few weeks, but they're not on video yet. You might get it like, a you know, a month, a month and a half before it comes out on video. And you could go for like $2 to see it. And the summer of 96, we had no cable. Our TV, my mom had it disconnected because she was cheap or something. Um, <laughs> and we were on summer break and so bored and we had just moved to a new area and we, we were just, my brother and I were just like insanely bored all the time. And my mom kind of felt bad for us. So 
she gave us like $10 and said, hey, go to that, you know, cheap movie theater and see whatever you want. And we thought, well, we'll just make a whole afternoon out of this. We saw Mission Impossible and we saw Twister. And we like we flipped out over Twister. And I love Mission Impossible even more to this day than I did then. But at the time, like we were flipping out over Twister and we went back two more times just that week just to see Twister. Like we would just beg or give us another five dollars. We could go see Twister. We would walk, you know, an hour to get to the the theater to see it. (laughs) And three times in one week we saw this. And like it, it was just it was the most incredible experience I'd ever had it on a big screen in a theater and that's something that we don't really have nowadays you know uh especially with 3d tvs and you know widescreen tv big screen tvs high definition blu-ray it's something that miss you miss out on is that these big movies like twister that came out of the time or mm. independence day yeah um or uh even something like speed a couple of years earlier true lies like it was huge to see it on a big screen and that was my big experience with this is i was just totally blown away with like the sound in the theater and everything uh it was the first movie i think i ever saw that three times in the theater and i did it one week wow um my opinions changed a little bit like you said when it came out on video it was different for me because as soon as it came out on video we got it and i think we watched it once and then we didn't even go back to it for months because it just it lost a lot of its appeal watching it on vhs i think i think this is a movie that really deserved to be widescreen and when i got on dvd it totally renewed my interest in it it's yeah it's interesting hearing those experiences i mean you know i i don't think i saw a movie twice at the cinemas until episode one probably um I mean, again, I'm a little bit younger than you, but, um, I mean, it was a big deal, I guess, for me to go to the movies and, of course, it would always be generally with one of my parents or, or that. But, I mean, it's it's interesting when you look at the films from 1996 and particularly the, um, you know, the top ten grossing films, like, obviously, Independence Day was a big one that year and it's you're talking about movie experiences. Um, and I'm sure, you know, when we do Independence Day, we'll talk about this more, but I remember the big thing for, particularly, I guess, in, in Hobart, they would always advertise a, a movie with digital sound, like, you know, increased, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. sound. And, like, that was the very first movie I ever went to. With, I didn't know what it was. I was, again, nine years old. And I, it scared me. Like, it was too loud for me. Like, I was just like, what the fuck is this? Like, ah! So, I remember I had to put toilet paper in my ears because it was like, whoa, <laughs> this is this is damaging my hearing. But, um, you know. Wait, so, do you just carry a roll of toilet paper <laughs> on you when you go out in public? I had a problem where I used to shit myself. <laughs> you know, ben has incontinent issues when he sees Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt. <laughs> Now I use tissues differently when I see Helen Hunt. But I think it's, uh, <laughs> I think it was, uh, we went to the bathroom quickly and grabbed some toilet tissue. But, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had a weird childhood, um, all right? Yeah. <laughs> I drew pictures of tornadoes and wrote scripts. <laughs> well, I will say, I mean, the other side of this is as far as, like, becoming obsessed. I, I was very similar to you. I became obsessed with tornadoes. And the funny thing is, prior to this, I was really afraid of tornadoes, and I don't know. Do they have tornadoes in Tasmania or anywhere well, near Hobart? It's not a thing. Like I, there was one day, um, probably a, like 2013, where I remember getting home from my radio show at the time, and people on Facebook were like, "Oh, there's tornado warnings in Hobart," and we're like, "Lol, don't be stupid. There is not." And then, like, you actually saw it, and I mean, yeah, it's so rare. Like they happen, but. And this is the thing, I guess, on my side of things is that I'd never, I didn't have any experience or anything to do with tornadoes. I wouldn't have a clue. Maybe saw one on the news. But this is my weird thing. 
and to quickly steal away from your story, it's like every time I've been to America, I'm like, are there tornadoes here? Do I get to see one? I'm like kind of excited, <laughs> thinking like, I might get to see a tornado. And it's always from Twister that I've got this weird thing where I kind of want to see a tornado in person. Yeah, I was afraid of them, mostly because we do get tornadoes here in Manitoba. Uh, not really in the city. I mean, you're never going to get something in a big city like this. But I grew up originally, at least for the first four years of my life outside the city mostly on a a farm that was like way out in the middle of nowhere and when you are out in the country i think it's a lot more of a risk for this Um, on top of that we had this little shelter which i never went inside or i probably saw inside of it and my dad told us that's a tornado shelter uh years later we went back to this farm and apparently the new owners said that they found like bathtubs down there <laughs> they they suspected the previous owners of the farm like before my dad owned it probably had like some bootlegging operation <laughs> down there with these weird bathtubs but he told us no that's a storm cellar or whatever but i can remember even when we moved to a small town called LaSalle, which you know is maybe only about uh 20 minutes outside of winnipeg there was one day where it was so windy outside and my mom just yelled, like, get in the basement, get in the basement. And it was kind of like this opening scene in the movie. So I still have flashbacks when I watched that opening scene to being told to get in the basement. And it scared me for years. And I can remember we used to have, like, these emergency weather service things that came on the TV, which is just a beeping tone. And I would always assume a tornado is coming for us. Like, this was real fear I had. And when I saw this movie, it, just, it was like something just snapped in me. And it suddenly went from being terrified of tornadoes to them being cool. <laughs> and I remember whenever we would have a big storm, I, I went out and I rented these documentaries from the video store mm-hmm. on uh, real tornadoes. And I remember the people the story even telling me, you do know this is not the movie Twister, right? I'm like, yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> we have to tell people that because people keep returning it. <laughs> I, I remember in, in high school, we were doing a project on... Um, natural disasters and i remember like the first thing i did was like you know miss miss can we please watch twister and like oh we you know i don't think the library has it i've got it at home i can bring it in tomorrow and it was just like <laughs> so excited. and fun fact about home releases I, I i wanted to remember this because this is the coolest fact i think i know about dvds twister was the very first film ever released on dvd there's a fact for you people yeah that's right and I may have that original copy here. <laughs> yeah, I, I got have it years the one. later. You have, yeah. you have Operation Zero. <laughs> <laughs> I did get it years later uh, in like a bargain bin. But <laughs> I mean, this thing is ratty and like no real features. It's one of the ones with the filmographies or features. On Your bonus <laughs> so, features, interactive menu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember those classic uh, days of bonus features <laughs> being a menu that you could interact with? <laughs> This is why we do this, so we can reminisce about DTS sound logos coming up before a movie and interactive menus. <laughs> Helen Hunt, hot. <laughs> Philip Bill Seymour Paxton, Hoffman, alive. a goofball. <laughs> Bill Paxton and Philip Seymour Hoffman, alive. Ooh, um, ooh, ooh. <laughs> too soon. Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman and Helen Hunt on. pre-Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's quickly talk about uh, outside of the cast. Even just the crew of this is insane. I mean, the movie's director, Jan DeBont, is following up Speed at this point. You know, this is only a second movie. He'd go on to do Speed 2 and <laughs> The Haunting. Um, so I'm going to say he peaked here with Twister. Oh, uh, producer Tomb Raider, Cat- The Cradle of Life. Come on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> slight improvement over Tomb Raider 1. Um, 
Kathleen Kennedy, the producer, who now is running Lucasfilm and doing the Star Wars movies, and written by Michael Crichton. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yes. And I just want to point out, bizarre. Michael Crichton, like, I love... Anything Ryan Murphy does in TV, I instantly love, because I think the guy's a genius. Michael Crichton is basically that guy before Ryan Murphy. And sadly, rest in peace, Michael Crichton. I mean, anyone who knows me, greatest movie of all time, favoritest movie of all time, Jurassic Park. I'm literally wearing a Jurassic Park t-shirt recording this episode. He created that. He created ER, one of my favourite TV shows of all time. He wrote this. Um, I mean, this guy is is a legend. And, yeah, one of the saddest celebrity deaths I've ever had to realise. And everyone's like, who's he, Ben? And I'm like... Just don't talk to me. If you don't know who Michael Crichton is, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, amazing. To, and I always forget that he's involved in this film and wrote it. And then, again, every time I watch it, I'm like, oh, and Joss Whedon, you were about to say that. I think I'll probably just stole your thunder. Mm-hmm. But, um, <laughs> yeah, how is he involved in this? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I was going to bring up because, I mean, I love this movie, but the script is not its strongest point here. And let's look at the filmography here of the writers, Michael Crichton. Like I, like you said, I'm a huge fan of just from his novels. I mean, mm. I read Jurassic park, lost Hunger. world. I would read anything with it. Rising sun was one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. They made a movie out of it with Sean Connery and Wesley Snipes, Congo. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done so many things, such a great writer Westworld, which now is making a comeback. Then we have Joss Whedon who did rewrites on this. We know what he's done now. Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Avengers. Uh, and also another uncredited screenwriter, Steven Zalian, which if you're a big movie buff, you probably know the name. He wrote the scripts for Schindler's List, The First Mission Impossible, Gangs of New York, American Gangster, Moneyball, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I mean, these are three legendary writers. Mm-hmm. And this is what they produce. They produce We Got Cows and... <laughs> <laughs> the suck zone i mean i just I, I i wonder how much time michael creighton spent on this was it sort of like you know he's dictating to his secretary all right uh uh guy and girl divorce guy comes back he's a weatherman somebody stole his design let's base it on wizard of oz all right a couple tornadoes come in old guy gets hit in the head and bleeds old lady gets a house crushed on her she bleeds uh they drive it van or a truck into a tornado save the day movie's over like that's basically what this is <laughs> and it's so like yeah it's crazy i mean just it's just interesting to look at all these people and like going about these writers and even just we joke about people like philip seymour hoff and helen hunt and all these i mean we're gonna go through this there are so many people in this movie who went on to bigger and better things but mm. i mean philip seymour hoffman i mean look he went on to become one of the most respected actors of the of the noughties. Um, and yeah. then here he is, basically playing redneck weed guy in hoodie <laughs> who's just talking about the suck zone, as you said. And Steven Spielberg was also involved in this movie, too. So, yeah. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> but, I mean, the, the, the results are up there in the effects and in the action. Mm. It's just it's the script that puzzles me because... There's not a lot of thought here, but we'll, we'll I guess we'll kind of kick this off here with uh, the story. And it, it starts with that terrifying scene, like I mentioned, about uh, little girl Joe back in 1969 and the tornado warning comes on TV. Um, another interesting fact here, I didn't realize this until I just did the research like about 10 minutes ago, but the little girl version of Hella Hunt is played by Alexa Vega, who went on to star in the Spy Kids movies. Yep. Uh, that's kind of an odd bit of casting. I would never recognize her watching this, even though it's maybe a few years. Yeah, but yet, when you look at the child scenes, you're like, oh, that looks like a six-year-old Helen Hunt. Mm -hmm. It makes a little bit of sense, but as far as an actress, you don't get it later on. Mm. Um, 
but yeah, we got the tornado warning, and they go into the the storm cellar. The the thing that terrified me, and they have some bathtubs in there too. This dad looks like he's making some money on the side. <laughs> um, and essentially, what happens in this opening scene here is dimwit dad. First of all, why did he go to hold this door open? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> and. Why did he install the cheapest latch lock possible for a storm cellar door for a tornado? Like, I'm sorry to say this, but this guy deserves to die. There's a whole long list of people in this movie that deserve to die. And a short list of people who didn't deserve to die, which I'll get into later. But this dad, like, what a bonehead dad this is. I mean, I don't feel sorry for this guy at all. I, I don't even feel sorry for the little girl. Like, she's better off without him. Let's just start off with the cruelty now. One thing I want to want to say is... Uh, if anybody knows the series on YouTube called Everything Wrong With that CinemaSins do, uh, they yeah. <laughs> they do one for Twister and it's hilarious, um, as all of them are, but it's it's really good. Like, literally a tornado appears and they give a scene because there's no sharks in it. So, um, I mean, it's just things like that. But yeah, you're right. And this is the thing that always gets me again. I feel dirty for nitpicking this movie that I love so much. But why is he holding this door in the first place? Because as soon as he gets sucked up and dies, nothing happens to the the dog and the other like little exactly. Joe and a mum. Like they're just there going, oh, no, dad, dad, ah. like and literally sorry, nothing almost, happens to them. So why does he even have to hold the fucking door? I'm also sorry to say this, but <laughs> you look at him and you look at his wife. Yeah. She's the one who's capable of holding that door. Like this guy's not holding anything. I was, I was, I was, I wrote that in my notes, maybe something different. I'm like, I'm like, why is he with her? Um, yeah. I was like, that's probably too mean, but Hey, it's the sixties. And one thing I wrote, the sad death of, of this guy who, again, as we, I think I agree with you, he deserved to die, but sadly, cause this was set in June, 1969. He was one month shy of seeing the moon landing. So, Oh, <laughs> damn it! Too bad. <laughs> one small and step, he but was, no one, because he's dead. What? One year and a few months shy of seeing Bill Paxton land on the moon in Apollo thirteen. <laughs> well, exactly. Like, That's damn it. The crossover, the crossover uh, promise that this movie held. Oh. <laughs> yes. Um. So yeah, there's a brief thing with the National Severe Storm Laboratory, which I thought was just the dumbest name ever. And the only bad, I'm just gonna say, the only bad effects in this entire movie is that satellite shot as they orbit the, the Earth, which looks ridiculous now. But the rest of the effects in this, I, I'm going to defend. The, yeah. the effects in this are still good to this day. Um, and we get introduced to Bill, named after the great Bill Paxton, I assume. <laughs> At least this time we and don't his... get confused with the character's name. We can call him the actor's name at the same time, yeah. because it's the same. <laughs> well, I, I am going to say, we're, we're introduced also to his uh, um, sex therapist fiance. <laughs> Melissa, who I repeatedly wrote in my notes as Melinda. <laughs> Wasn't there a Melinda Which in there Joe somewhere? Re- <laughs> yeah, Joe refers to her as Melinda coming up here, and I repeatedly wrote Melinda every time I wrote her name in the notes here. Um, that's not the only name I screwed up on in my notes. We'll get to that later on, too. Uh, but he's just going to finalize his divorce papers because he's got a new job he's starting. And we get introduced to Joe's crew here, which I- I'm just going to say, I love this crew, and I love that this movie went against the stereotype of any type of action movie, and even movies with scientists before this. This is basically, like, the least cool crew you could ever assemble for a movie. It's 
an entire team made up of middle-aged, average-looking scientists and crazy hobos. And that's what makes this so great is that this is not like none of these people are ever going to show up in an action movie again, <laughs> nor should they. And they're all like these really quirky characters. And um, basically the plot here is that we get introduced the, that uh, she's lured him here to fake signing these divorce papers, maybe fake signing. But she's got this big thing, Dorothy, which was a design of his. And they're going to use this to catch tornadoes. Um, a couple of things uh, that I liked here. Uh First of all, as we're introduced to all the characters, Philip Seymour Hoffman, he loves music. He's singing to the TVs, pointing to the TV. Uh, you have guys arguing over folding maps. And then you just have the one guy that as Bill's, as Bill's coming by, everybody's like, Dusty's like, Bill, yeah, Bill the Extreme, yeah. <laughs> then you get like, oh, the prodigal son returns from the old guy. And then you get, hey, Bill, from the curly-haired guy. <laughs> like the only character that Michael Crichton could give any personality to. Hey, Bill. <laughs> Who in himself went on to many other films as well. This is yeah. one of the many. Legendary Joey Slotnick, who I have a, a good story on later on, too. <laughs> it's it's so fascinating, like, when you were talking about the script. And, yes, when you, I guess, analyse things, um, the script, kind of shit. But what makes <laughs> this work, though, the, the thing that I think makes it actually work... Is, are the actors and and like as you were saying, like these people, like they're so believable and they just they gel so well together that to me it's so again maybe it's just a personal viewpoint. It's so easy to overlook how shit the script is because these people are just it's it's almost like they're not acting. They're just having fun with each other. Like you just are so yeah. believed these are guys chasing tornadoes. Um, and that's just what I think is so great about it. And then, you know, so many of these people basically don't really have a whole lot to do except, except say, hey, Bill. Um, <laughs> but they're still, you know, I mean, like, you've got, you know, as you said, you've got Joey Slotnick, Alan Rucks in there, you know, like, I mean, God, there's just so many, but we're going to talk about these throughout it. But it's just... Yeah, it just works so well. I just want to backtrack and say how disappointed I am in you that you just undersell Dr. Melissa Reeves, Jamie Gertz, the star <laughs> of this movie. She is just there to be us. We're the dumb viewers. We don't know anything about tornadoes, so she's there to help us get explained. Then she just has all the best one-liners in the movie. I got a go, Julie. We got cows. <laughs> <laughs> to, when when you used to see you used to chase tornadoes, Deep down, I always thought it was a metaphor. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm so sad to see that she got nominated for a Razzie for her performance because I effing love her. <laughs> Everybody's good in this movie. She is really good. I mean, I glossed over just mostly because Philip Seymour Hoffman. I mean, l let's talk about him really quickly. This is like his first real movie role, and I had no idea who was going in here. And my brother and I walked out of this in love with Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, <laughs> like, this guy was our hero. And still to this day, we'll quote Philip Seymour Hoffman lines from Twister. And, you know, Dusty was like the greatest character we had ever seen at this point. Or, or maybe not the greatest, but it's like, basically, you got Rocky Balboa. You got the Terminator and you got Dusty from Twister. Like, that's the holy trinity of great movie action stars. Dusty was the best in this. I mean, this is going to be a battle here between uh, Melinda and Dusty, I think. And can we point out on Skype, what are our profile pictures right now? Yours is Dusty giving me the sexy look <laughs> in his sunglasses, talking about the suck zone. And mine is Melissa shitting herself at a giant tornado about to destroy the drive. Looking drive at the suck zone. Yes. And... and <laughs> 
I'm going to be so excited when we get to the scenes later on because I, I'm going to agree with you. Like, they're both the stars of this movie. And I love Helen Hunt and I love Bill Paxton. But they're bland characters in the most part for this. And, and they're great because of who they are as actors. But Melissa and Dusty are, like, the fun characters in this movie. And they have so much interaction together. And I think a lot of it is improv. And it just gets progressively more and more uncomfortable as it goes along between the two of them. Uh, one thing I will say, like, it's yeah, I, I would agree in saying that, uh, again, it's kind of like the script. You analyze both Bill and Joe. They're, they're bland characters. But again, the chemistry between Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton is, it just sells it. Like, you just, mm. I, I mean, I think it's just, it's extreme <laughs> to take from Bill's name. It's just, <laughs> I don't know, it's just so believable between them that I, I just overlook the fact that, yeah, on the grand scheme of things, they're boring characters. But you just, you know, as much as I love Melissa, you really don't give a shit because you do want Helen and Bill, I'm about to calling her Helen now, together. Yeah. Um, and you just see them as a couple. It's like, again, when they're fighting, it just, you don't think mm. they're acting. You feel like they're just adding living that like of course let's just pretend we're having a fight over this and i mean again i just this is so much why i love because everybody to me is i don't think there's anybody in this film that is unlikable even jonas and his crew like the way they play that evil the gang like you know maybe toby the dog was the most unlikable the dad who died at the beginning but other than that the dad don't get me started on the dad i've got another another likable character later on i'll have a big rant on um like this crew they're they're all amazing and this is what i'm saying like I think one of the things that makes this movie still unique to this day is that I talked about how you would never see a crew like this in an action movie. You'll never see a crew like this again. I mean, I think the Godzilla movie tried to duplicate this a few years later. I'll defend that when we get to it. (laughs) I love Godzilla. I I love it too. Yes, Um, we're the only two fans out there. Woo! (laughs) Just gave away our next guilty pleasure. Um, (laughs) But, like... Helen Hunt, Bill Paxton, Carrie Elwes, mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman, Alan Ruck, Joey Slotnick. None of these people belong in a movie like this. And part of that is because we 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 don't see movies like this even to this day. I mean, Godzilla tried, but even still, they, they had like this coolness. Like Matthew Broderick had this cool nerdy thing about him. These are just the most average people ever. And they picked the most relatable actors. And I think that's one of the reasons why Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton went on to so much success is it's not just because they're they're you know likable but it's because they're very charismatic like the two of them can deliver any line and make you want to listen to them and they have this likable quality and they like you said they have great chemistry together and they don't need good characters but they're also not the type of characters you're used to seeing in a movie like this well bill paxton i mean we should when he when he died and when it was announced i mean basically everyone at that point was saying oh t- uh, t- i was gonna say titanic well he was in titanic but twister's bill paxton like that was generally the go-to one that they said um and you know i mean look he's got a, a bevy of credits that he's been in but i mean realistically this i guess is probably pretty much what he was most known for in the end really um hence why that said that and i mean even you look at what helen hunt i mean leading into this uh you know she was obviously very well known for mad about you um but i mean she had other bits here and there but i mean again it's just I, I would still argue that if Helen Hunt died tomorrow, this would probably be arguably what she's more so most known for, again, against so many films and TV shows that she's been in. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's just it's just so crazy to just watch this film and just, again, see this. Because it's just, I swear it's every five minutes, hey, that's such and such from that show. Oh, that's such and such. That's such and such. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, you're constantly seeing them. And, again, we keep saying we're going to talk about this. But, I mean, we, we mentioned Alan Ruck. 
Um, I mean, Joey Slotnick. I I know Joey Slotnick Slotnick a lot from (laughs) Joey Slotnick. He was uh, he was uh, in Nip Tuck. I, I can't remember his, the character's name in Nip Tuck, but he was in it for multiple seasons. Uh, Blast from the past. I don't know if you uh, you know Brendan Fraser. Oh, you know, yeah, I love that one. Um, but then, like, I'm just looking through here the other because again, it's like you you know who they are, but you don't know their actors' names. Uh, Zach Griner, who was uh, what Jonas's side, the driver Eddie, I think his name was. He of course was in Twenty Four that we've sort of looked at. You know, he was shady guy in season one. I can't remember his name in it. Um, I know we're probably jumping ahead here, but I'm just getting excited with all the other people. Um, one of the members of Jonas's crew, uh, Abraham Ben Ruby, who of course played Jerry. He was the desk clerk in ER. I don't know if you were an ER fan, but you know, be yeah. getting excited for that. And then, uh, one of the guys in, uh, Bill and Helen's crew, Joe's crew, um, the one who's hiding in the truck, basically that, uh, Helen Hunt pulls out of the car before they get Jeremy Davies. Yeah. Jeremy yeah. Davies lost. Um, I, know him from Daniel Faraday from Lost, and I think he was in Saving Private Ryan too, wasn't he? Um, yeah. A few, I mean, I honestly, a couple of years after this Saving Private Ryan, like, I thought he was the one who stole the entire movie, and he's the guy who got no attention for it. Like, he's an amazing actor. Mm. Um, such a huge cast. I mean, Alan Ruck was oh. probably the only other Cameron, one Cameron, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, come on. That's one of, yeah. if we're ever going to do that because movie, Ferris- I'm going to be glowing about that as much as I am on Twister. Yeah, and I mean, he's he's probably the, the holdover here, like, coming off of speed, so he's mm. maybe director's favorite at this point, but, um, like, the cast just, it, it, you could never assemble a cast like this, and e- even the guy who plays Belzer in here, <laughs> who's a nothing character and not really a big actor, but he won a couple of years after this to uh, get an Academy Award nomination for a movie called In the Bedroom that he made, and he's a big director now. Um, so many successful people out here makes you wonder why Jan DeBont, the director, went on to nothing, <laughs> and his career went down the toilet after this because he's the one who made this movie. Exactly. I mean, we didn't even mention Carrie Yule's heart. I mean, he's the out of this. I mean, yeah. you, you've got a Joey Slotnick story later. My Carrie Yule story. I have a Carrie Yule story. I stood within a meter of the guy at a comic con once, where I was there as media and was completely restricted from talking to these people. I was so devastated because, again, I know he's like was what in the Princess Bride and. It was in Saw movies and all that. But to me, Carrie Yules is always Dr. Jonas Miller from Twister and he's also in Liar Liar. So that to me is what Carrie Yules is. And I, I didn't give a shit about the Princess Bride. I wanted to talk to him about Twister and get him to do the really shit version of the claw he tries to rip off Jim Carrey. And uh, my story of Joyce Lotnick isn't anything that you know, I can brag on, but <laughs> just a funny story about his fame. Because um, he had a couple of TV shows here in the late 90s and there was a... A late night talk show I used to love. And it's the show that James Corden does now, The Late Late Show. And the host they had at the time was a guy named Craig Kilborn, who was absolutely hilarious. And he'd just do the most random things on his show. And I remember I'd watch this and he would have uh, this thing he'd promote. He goes, sometime between now and September, we will have a surprise walk-on from Hollywood star Joey Slotnick. And Joey Slotnick's like a nobody, really. But they show a picture of him, and every single night, he's like, sometime between now and September. And then just one night, randomly, it's like, ladies and gentlemen, we have a surprise walk-on from Joey Slotin. And Joey Slotin, it comes out, waves, the crowd's going crazy, and then just walks backstage and never <laughs> appears again. It was like this this cult favorite moment that I wish I could find. If it was ever on the internet, maybe we could find it out there. Wow. Wow. That's, um, yeah, I need to see that. Uh- <laughs> the guy from Blast from the Past! <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's jump back into the movie here. Uh, Joyce Lawton will have a surprise walk-on <laughs> before this movie's over. 
so basically, Bill uh, is following them into town. They um, they find there, as you said, Jonas, who's the villain of this movie. Basically, an old crew member who had stolen the design for Dorothy, and he has his own version called Dot, and he's talking about it on TV. And I just want to say, like, this is why I love the average guy scientist. Because when they get into a fight, they don't get into a fight. Bill comes up and knocks his baseball hat <laughs> off of his head. And that's how he picks a fight. <laughs> like, it's it's such a child's way of picking a fight. I, I just love that moment. And they get into a little scrap. And Jonas is so cocky and so smarmy. And I'm just going to say, Jonas was my introduction to... I think every teenage boy goes through this phase. <laughs> this is going to sound weird. They go through the Jonas phase. Uh, <laughs> but... You know, as a kid, you watch these movies and the villains are just slimy and despicable and you don't like them and you want to root for the heroes. And then you reach a point when you're a teenager and these slimy villains become cool and you want to root for them and you love that they're just disgusting and smarmy and always melting off. And this was like my first villain where I'm like, I actually really like this guy. Like, I kind of want him to win in the end. I want him to live. He's such a jerk in this, but he plays it so well. I love him. Yep. And this whole sequence here is basically just to set up, you know, Bill's now going to stick around and he's going to give them the rest of the, the day to catch the tornadoes or whatever. And uh, we find out that he can talk to tornadoes. Uh, <laughs> so he has a superpower, which is really lame if you think about it. And it actually comes across as really lame as he's sitting out there staring at the sky and letting dust fall at his fingertips. Um <laughs> He basically has a twister sense that's tingling. <laughs> that's basically in the, and, in the everything uh, wrong with video. They basically are like, why do they need Dorothy when they've got Bill? Like, you know, he's, yeah. he's the tornado whisperer. <laughs> yeah, he is. That's, that's the best way to describe him. Um, there's a weird scene between Joe and Melinda here. <laughs> and uh, they go off to catch the first tornado, which will kind of stop right there before we get into the tornado thing. I, I'm so surprised that you... I mean, we've talked about the suck zone. Um, we didn't mention that a second ago, the explanation of it. But uh, uh, again, gelling over the Melissa Melinda scenes, uh, we get a weird Melissa Joe scene. Some of the best one-liners are in this moment. That man is there waiting for Billy. Why? You're still in love with him, aren't you? And my favourite, honey, I got you a lemonade. Which is a big deal because <laughs> later we find out that real lemonade's hard to come by here. The, the thing the thing is, though, is that, I mean, the, the scene with her and Joe, with Melissa and Joe, just the, the facial reaction from the, the waitress lady when she's like, you're still in love with him, aren't you? And just that look, it's like, you just, I don't know, you just expect them to be like, bitch, please. And then even the look that Joe gives, I mean, she doesn't deny it, so clearly, oh, <laughs> this is setting up the love triangle, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> it's like... Her, her look is basically, I can't... I can't believe you're bringing it up here and the waitress is like that's awkward like, and yet mm. melinda doesn't it doesn't phase her at all like she's a therapist this is normal for her. she should be she should be going like it's like you married him for his penis didn't you <laughs> not just that's, for his penis but you did, that, didn't you? that that was my fourth backup line for my introduction <laughs> quote at the beginning i was gonna say about marrying my penis but i mean this is this is what makes melissa so great is that like just throughout this movie you know it's just her and Billy are so in love, clearly, because, you know, when they break up, there's no um, sadness at all. Um, but just, like, she's she's dragged along for, for the ride because when, you know, she's in the car, it's like, no, honey, I find this interesting. I want to drag along. 
wrong. <laughs> like, later on, she's, like, dying in a shelter and running away. Like, again, the star of this movie is Jamie Gertz. Um, I, I want to know who delivered. I'm going to go back a little bit because there's another line in this scene here before we move on. And I don't know what the phrase even means, but uh, Jonah says something about the, your days of sniffing the dirt are over. <laughs> and then you just hear somebody in the background go, better than what you sniff. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is, that's one of these ones where you need to analyze. It's like, well, what do you sniff? Yeah. <laughs> Put your it's, fingers it's down just, your pants and like, mmm. It's funny, you know, I, I always look back as a teenager. There are certain things that, that I would always quote. And even though you, you totally lose the context after a while, but this would be something my brother and I would just say to each other. Even if it didn't make sense, so like, we wouldn't have to say to the, your days of sniffing the dirt are over. It would just be like, you know, we'd be bantering back and forth, and one of us would just say around, better than what you sniff. And it was, <laughs> it was just a go-to line for us. Cause it really doesn't make a lot of sense, but I just I just love this, this random throw. They're better than what you sniff. <laughs> I, I remember in high school, there was these um, this group of guys, they would just walk around and they'd go, oh, barely. And just like, it was just not long after we had watched Twister, I think, for class, like I was mentioning before. And I thought that they were like doing it for like quoting, you know, um, Melissa, you know, Billy, and then what, like Aunt Meg later on and just, you know, but of course it wasn't actually. It was from the cable guy when Jim Carrey put his nipple up on the glass and he's all like, oh, Billy. Yeah. <laughs> just a random you know, quote that I remember. Though, because like, <laughs> Twister was such a huge movie, and The Cable Guy came out a couple weeks after this and was generally regarded at the time as being one of the biggest bombs mm. in Hollywood history, even though it wasn't really. But in comparison to Twister, nothing. But, like, The Cable Guy, people can quote that, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's from The Cable Guy. Whoever quotes Twister? Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> we do. We Except do. Except for us. <laughs> Honey, I got you a lemonade. That's my new quote. <laughs> and can I just say, what a waste of a lemonade. She puts it on the roof of the truck and then oh. they drive off and it goes. That always makes me angry because yeah. I'm like, that's a waste of money. Bothers- I want a lemonade. <laughs> it legitimately bothers me because I'm looking at their like, this is a hot day. I mean, I don't know if people really realize tornadoes are only really going to come about in really hot weather and stuff like that. These people are probably sweating their balls off and she's just tossing two nice ice cold lemonades and just leaving them on the car. I mean, it's a complete waste. And even and even Joe says in that the diner scene, like, you got to pee, you got to pee now because there's not going to be a lot of stops on the way. It's like, and what happens to her coffees? Like, doesn't she buy all the coffees for people? Like, I'm wondering, where's all these drinks going? They they all end up somewhere in the bottom of the truck uh, the at the end of the zone. next scene. <laughs> in the suck zone, yes. <laughs> um, so as you said, Bill and his uh, twister senses tingling. So <laughs> better than what you Jonas... sniff. <laughs> <laughs> better than what you tingle. <laughs> so I mean, th- this starts a very odd back and forth thing of Jonas sometimes following Bill and sometimes not following him because I'm like, no, they're leaving. Okay, let's get up and go. And it's just, throughout the movie, it's just constant. It's like, oh, do you want to follow him? Sure. Do you want to follow him? Nah, not this time. <laughs> this time he decides to follow him. And this, uh, there's not like that much going on here other than Melissa, Melinda in her car. <laughs> As we mentioned earlier, I'll let you gotta go through the line. We spoiled it, but it's still good. We could repeat it 90 times in this episode and we're gonna laugh every time. But, what is it? She did not marry your penis. Okay, she didn't only marry your she penis. Only marry your penis. <laughs> okay, she did not only marry your penis. 
but this just starts the first twister chase here. Uh, which again, I always I, I love that the action heroes of this movie are not that cool. And as they're chasing this tornado down, and you know Joe's nitpicking Bill's driving and everything, and Bill all of a sudden gets this cool guy moment, it's like, oh yeah, watch this, and he tries to turn it, and he basically gets stuck in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> the first opportunity he gets to actually do something cool, and he's stuck in a ditch, and they almost end up losing their lives. They lose the first Dorothy. They lose the first vehicle. It's just a complete disaster. It, it, it reminds me of that that part when I always wish that Bill Paxton had this expression. You, have you ever watched Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase? Yes, yes, yes. The opening scene where he's trying to erase this guy in his station wagon, mm-hmm, and he has yep. this totally cocky look on his face as he thinks he's turning to go around the guy, and he gets trapped underneath <laughs> a semi-trailer. <laughs> and just the look on Chevy Chase's face is what I always wanted Bill to look like. Because it's a totally humiliating thing to happen. His ex-wife is already ragging on him, and he's like, watch this, baby. <laughs> he just gets stuck in the ditch. This is the least cool action hero in the history of action movies. And I think this is the thing, though. I mean, again, going back to what I was saying about the casting and just the chemistry and just everything, I mean, it just he pulls it off so well. I mean, I'm reading here about... Because um, I always love seeing, you know, who were possibly in the line to play these roles in movies. Um, and apparently Tom Hanks was the original ro- choice to play Bill. Now, Tom Hanks is Tom Hanks. He can play anyone. He's, he's all amazing. But there's almost something about this that I can't imagine Tom Hanks playing this guy. Like, you know, Bill Paxton, the sleazy sort of evil guy in so many of these different movies, you know. And then here he is playing just this, like, everyday scientist, as you were saying. And... Um, he just plays it off so well. And, like, again, he has this complete moment where it's like, yeah, baby. And then it's just <laughs> like, fuck. But it's just, I don't know. There's just so much about him. I mean, I've written down just with this whole sequence leading up to the tornado. Um, just, I mean, I love the fact that you get these shots of them in the car and they're all playing their different types of music and just oh, their yeah. reactions and just, you know, cut between that and Melissa. He did not only marry your penis. <laughs> <laughs> You know, of course, 1996, it was fine to drive on your cell phone. Uh, no implications mm, yeah. <laughs> there, of course. But, um, and just, just the way they like cut to, to Joe and Bill just in the car and they start their conversation, you know, they're talking about clouds and it's just like, I don't want to fight. No, I don't want to fight. Yeah. <laughs> and for some reason, their, their radio is on and everybody can hear them. Um, mm. And then I love the fact that when they're driving and like Bill's, you know, arguing and he's driving off road and Joe's just so calm, just like, can I drive? No. Then would yeah. you? <laughs> it's like, she's way too calm for somebody who's about to have a head on with like that thing. Like, you know, that's awesome. And it's her vehicle. Like, exactly. she's lost thousands of dollars there. She's got no ride home. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, it's momentarily, we'll see that. But, um, yeah, it's just, again, just, I can't talk this up highly enough just with all the cam And just, again, the side characters as well, and their silly little moments in their music listening to it, and Melissa and the penis, and then straight to, like, yeah, Bill and the the bit where I'm going to be cool, baby. Like, fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> like, but, I mean, my question with that is, like, how... Again, I'm reading it. I don't want to nitpick this movie, but, like, they're in this ditch. How is he, like, stuck in that ditch? And how can he not break? I don't know much about cars in that situation, but that's always bothered me. Like, why do his brakes not work at that point? I mean, they probably do, but he's still determined to catch the tornado? I don't know. <laughs> he just wants to have a head on and be like, damn, baby, yeah. <laughs> look at me run into this bridge. 
He's been out of the game for a while. He's a little off his game. <laughs> yes. Have you lost your nerve? Fasten your seatbelts. <laughs> Better than what you sniff. <laughs> <laughs> Just drop these one-liners into it all the time. There's always that one guy in the See, background. It, it really does work as a response for any argument. Better than what you sniff. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny because... This sequence you mentioned, it's almost a throwaway thing with the montage of you know, everybody's different music playing and uh, the, them driving their vehicles. You get to see so much personality here. Yeah. And nobody really ever looks at this as a movie that has this great ensemble cast. I mean, we've gone through how many of these actors went on to do big things. And yeah, they don't have a lot to do here other than spout off technical jargon every once in a while. But they have these scenes that make them a fun crew, and maybe not all of them are fun characters on their own. I'm not, I'm not dying for the Beltzer spinoff, you know, but <laughs> I like this whole crew together in their little montages and stuff like this. The Beltzer spinoff. <laughs> it's, it's been 21 years. What has Beltzer been doing? You know, it's like with the Marvel movies, right? They know certain characters aren't strong enough to hold a movie on their own, you know? Why are we never going to get a Hawkeye movie? Because you don't want to see a Hawkeye movie. But if you put Hawkeye in a movie with Black Widow or Thor, it makes sense. So if we can get the Belzer and Joey Slotnick movie, then we have like a Marvel team up here. <laughs> That's something that will draw on the fans. The Twister expanded universe has not been quite untapped in. It was actually, I was reading about like, you know, obviously with Bill Paxton and everything, there was an interview recently within the last few years that Bill Paxton did say that there was discussion of a Twister sequel, that it would be that Joe and Bill got married and now their kids are in college and and they're facing, you know, a similar situation to do with tornadoes. Um, I mean, this is kind of one of those movies that it's like, yeah, a sequel, sure, but it's kind of like you're satisfied there's never been a sequel, yeah. you know. I guess it's kind of like Independence Day. <laughs> like, you always thought, there could be a sequel to that. I could see it. But, you know, I'm fine with there not being one and definitely yeah. fine with the fact that they've had one now. So, um <laughs> You know, no, I wish they hadn't. Point. I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, we'll talk a little bit more about the sequel uh, at the end here and some reasons why that didn't happen. But this works as a standalone movie. And I was thinking that when I was watching the other night, too. I'm like, I don't think I'd ever want a sequel to this. And mm. it's not that I think this is like there are movies where it's like this movie is holy. This this movie needs to stand on its own. You can't ever make a sequel. Like people say, you can't ever make a Blade Runner 2. Why are they making a Blade Runner 2? But it's just it, it's it's. It accomplishes what it wants to accomplish, and it's a very limited range, what you could tell. As we're going to get through here, they make all these twisters and these tornado chasing sequences a little bit different, but there's only so much you could see of that. I mean, in this first one, we're basically seeing them in a ditch, and then a couple of wind gusses are under a bridge. I mean, it's not like we're getting the big twister stuff. Yeah, that's going to come in the next one. But they pace themselves here because I think the movie would get old very quick if you were just, let's just throw all the tornadoes out there you can. Yeah, well, I mean, essentially, that's what Sharknado is, isn't it? They just added sharks yeah. to the tornado to make yeah. it better. But, I mean, I, I'm sure you're going to mention this. I'm probably jumping the gun with you. Um, the visual effects are just mm-hmm. outstanding. And I think you already mentioned at the beginning that they hold up to this day. I mean, they do. Like, there's there's not any, I mean, that I can think of off the top of my head, any visual effects in this entire movie that you don't look at now and go, oh, wow, that's very 90s. Um, you know, maybe the laptop we saw earlier before when they were in the field. But, I mean, that's not a visual effect. That was a piece of technology. But they're, they're incredible. They look so amazing. And, you know, this movie is more than 20 years old now, and it just it just holds up so well. 
Yeah, yeah, it does. Um, you know, after the first twister here, uh, another quick moment where we get some good personality out of the characters where <laughs> Melissa has the truck crash right in front of her. And Where's my truck? <laughs> your profile pic, if you could have found the image of her face when that truck crashes, <laughs> or the look on her face, which may be my favorite moment in the movie, just the, the progressing relationship of Dusty and Melissa. <laughs> That's underrated. We never see it, do we? I mean, he holds hands with her, and then later on, the umbrella and everything along those lines. There's your spin-off. Did you just miss that truck? That's awesome. And meanwhile, get away from me, you creep. I almost died. I mean, again, let's analyze this. A fucking truck has just landed millimeters from her own truck. That's instant death. And he's straight away just like, did you just miss that truck? That's awesome. And then let's not forget, Dusty follows that up as Jonas and his crew come fashionably late as always, Jonas. He hops in as they're driving and gives the driver a kiss. Loser, move on! Like, again, in what world is the overweight, you know, out of his decade, way too young to be a hippie hippie guy, the coolest guy to a teenage boy, but, like, Dusty was my hero when I saw this movie. This is, I mean, we said before, obviously, Philip Seymour Hoffman goes on to be a very well-respected actor. Um, but, I mean, he's kind of like a Jack Black character, isn't he? Like, I mean, you know, what could Jack Black do if he stopped making these movies like that? Because, you know, you can kind of see similarities between their characters. But, um, yeah, it's just, it's so funny. And like, give us a kiss, give us a kiss, man. And that's when you get the whole, better than what you sniff. <laughs> I, I do have I have a kind of unrelated but funny Philip Seymour Hoffman story to tell here. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I'm obviously a fan of Philip Seymour Hoffman or whatever. And just one time randomly in a conversation, you know, we're talking about Philip Seymour Hoffman. And uh, uh, I'm, I, I kind of mentioned to Jamie, I'm like, because my wife, Jamie, she she never remembers the names of people. I'm like, do you know who Philip Seymour Hoffman is? He goes, yeah, he, yeah, he's that handsome guy. And I'm like, what? <laughs> My name's Philip Colin, Jamie. You married me. <laughs> but she's like, Philip Seymour Hoffman's that handsome guy. I don't know if I've ever heard of any woman refer to Philip Seymour Hoffman as a handsome guy. Aww. And my brother's in... The, I'm not saying it to insult him, but like in this movie, you know, if you're going to get women's list, I don't think he's the top. And my brother, <laughs> in the vehicle with us, is like... Colin, you shouldn't be feeling very comfortable about yourself right now. It's like, if she finds you attractive and the benchmark is Philip Seymour Hoffman, how good should you feel about yourself? Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> that's a good point. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, Philip Seymour Hoffman often robbed of being on the uh, People's Sexiest Man Alive list. Um, exactly. Well, not, not alive anymore, but, uh, but, but back when he was, uh, <laughs> that was robbed. <laughs> no, no, dis- we stop laughing about people that have died in this movie. Ben, all right, rest in peace, Philip. Rest in peace, Bill. Uh, I, I love just quickly again going back to like you know the chemistry and just the way they handle everything. You know when Joe's going through her, you know truck, and it's just like that's a really nice truck. You know, like yeah. don't even think about it. No way. And then like the next scene, there she is sitting in the truck. Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, logically, it makes sense. In a way, um, we know that he has no problem putting in her vehicle with Dusty later on. (laughs) I don't understand why that wasn't the first step, you know, because (laughs) she's just been terrified by the fact that a tornado has just 
basically crapped out a truck right in front of her. (laughs) And yet he's like, oh, you know, don't worry. You'll be safe with me. Let's go drive right into one this time. Like (laughs) in some ways it makes it I'll I'll be here to comfort you and protect you. But he's not protecting her. He's actually putting her in harm's way now. That just shoves her in the back like. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I'm in a I'm in a relationship with somebody, and we're driving around with my their ex, and all of a sudden it's like, "Honey, you get in the back. I'm going to sit in the front with my ex. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be pissed. I am going to be pissed." Um, but she gets to be pleasantly distracted in this with another one of her therapy calls. Uh, <laughs> And and you want to talk about the best comedy? I'm going to claim this sequence probably not only is the best comedy in the movie all around, it's probably the funniest scene in the movie all around, but it's also probably the most intense scene. As far as the tornado sequences go, the second one is my favorite. As you just change your profile picture. <laughs> there we go. I found face. it just for Colin. I found the picture of <laughs> Lisa's face <laughs> after the thing just for Colin so we could laugh about it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm gonna compose myself here. <laughs> but like, we get this this great humor with her on the phone, and uh, you know the the, the cow circling. Which again, I'll leave the quotes because you you love the Melissa quotes. I'll leave the quotes for you with the cows. But that cow bit is just oh, that's gold. Like so many really great lines and scenes in this movie that it's not given enough credit for. I'm not saying that this is like Lawrence of Arabia or The Godfather here, but I mean it's great entertainment. And the the twister sequence is fantastic. You know, seeing these giant things circling around them and then they're in the middle of this is fantastic. My only question is, this tornado ends as it basically hits the vehicle and they're spinning in circles and all that. And then, out of nowhere, just like the first tornado, the tornado dies completely. It doesn't move on. You don't see it in the distance. It just dies. Like, Bill isn't the tornado whisperer. He's like the tornado killer. I mean... <laughs> These things he's touch storm. them. He's man. storm from the X Men. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they touch him, and he has the power to just cease them from existence. How does he do that? I, I don't know. And this is it's, it's. I mean, that's one of the little things we might nitpick about Twister. It's that yes, they're very conveniently not. Um, you know, I mean, later on, how many cars get flung up by the tornado? Yet this one doesn't pick them up. It just goes over the top of them. Um, mm-hmm. and yeah, things like that. And I mean, one thing that has always confused me with this movie, and again, we might talk about this later when eventually they get Dorothy flying because, you know, they've obviously got to press certain buttons on it and all this sort of stuff. But like, why later on in the, like, why can't they just, at this point, they're driving onto a bridge. Like we saw it with Joe before when they crashed into the bridge, like quickly turn it on. The thing's going to get picked up. Why does it have to be on or why does it have to be out of the truck? Or like, it's just... I don't know. It's never mm-hmm. really explained how Dorothy works well, specifically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they flip the switches on it, and it beeps it, you know, the 90s effects. <laughs> yes. But basically, all these sensors, it's not like they're connected by wire to this while they're being sucked in the tornado. These things are already activated. They just need to get up there. So I don't know what the switches are for, other than just mm. pretty light. Well, they, they need the Pepsi cans added to them later on. We'll yeah. obviously talk, <laughs> Which obviously we talk also about did it. see here. Uh, and I don't know, uh, most people probably have noticed this. It's very subliminal at the time. But the amount of 
radars that we see form into the Pepsi logo throughout <laughs> the course of this movie. It literally yeah. happens every time a radar is on screen, and it happened in this first sequence here as they're watching this. I'm surprised it wasn't, honey, I got you a Pepsi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> lemonade. But I mean, going back, like, I mean, we talked about, obviously, like, the script in this, but this is, I think, what I was saying before. Like, it might not be the best script, but, I mean, again, it's just it's the delivery of everything that just makes you forget about it. Again, if this was other actors, it just it wouldn't be the same. But and it's, it's I guess... Um, unintentionally funny be- the way they deliver the lines because I mean how is honey I gotta go we got cows like how is that funny <laughs> like but it's just you know just the way it's done and facial expressions too like when she's on the phone like honey you gotta breathe you just gotta breathe and just like Helen Hunt's look and he's just like yeah she's a reproductive therapist <laughs> like it's just you know the delivery of it um, better than what you said <laughs> Somebody needs to edit that into every classic line in the history of movies. <laughs> Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Better than what you sniff. <laughs> Just no. when I thought they were out, they pulled me back in. Better than what you sniff. <laughs> no, I am your father. Better than what you sniff. It works for everything. Come on, people. It does. It does. I have a dream. Better than what you sniff. <laughs> Anyway, we need to stop. We're going to get going with that. You're talking about all the famous lines in movie history, and you mentioned Martin Luther King. That wasn't fiction, you know. It happened. <laughs> I'm just trying to insert it into life as well. <laughs> but uh, just, yeah, like, the, the cow bit, I mean, that that's... I mean, a lot of movies oh. obviously have that one bit that you know the movie from, you know. Like, yeah. I mean, you can think of any movie, you, you know that one sequence, that one scene. And I think Twisters probably is the cow. That was, you know, something that was often shown, the cow flying in a twister. Um, but, I mean, again, it's just, you know, cow, <laughs> another cow. Actually, I think that's the same one. Even <laughs> the way that's delivered is just so good. I just um, want that cow to keep circling and keep appearing and every time progressively get more and more stressed out. Moo, moo, moo. <laughs> But, like, even just, like, subtle Melissa one-liners, one of my favourite ones is when they're driving on the bridge and the rain's coming in the side bit there and they're, like, I think Bill, or I don't know which one's is like, oh, look, rain band. And you hear in the background going, what? <laughs> just the way she says it. She has no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Um, but, I mean, little things like the music. Again, we talked about the score and the music. Just it's It works so well. I just love the music in this. And just everything that happens again, uh, like as you said, the yeah, the fact that it ends just as you know they're about to die, and then they're on a bridge, and somehow three tornadoes don't sweep them off the bridge. Um, but I love it, like right at the end when like both Bill and Joe get out of the car, they're so happy, they're screaming at each other. Did you see that? Did you run? They're like screaming and they're happy, and then poor Melissa gets out of the car like shitting herself, and then Bill's just like. Melissa, <laughs> and, then, and then Joe's just like, ah, oh, fuck her, and then going to talk to everybody else. Like, yeah, uh, it's well, so good. I, that's this is the part where she goes, when you said you used to chase tornadoes, I thought that was a metaphor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, also, seriously, just the fact they're excited doesn't make sense as well, too, because they just miss their second opportunity mm-hmm. to catch one of these. And I mean, storm chasers in real life—they're not even going to get it, get four chances over the course of 48 hours Mm -hmm. and they might get four chances over the course of four years if they're lucky 
And they're like, yeah, that was amazing. We just blew it again. <laughs> yeah. And stuff it. Let's go eat some meat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which we're off to now. <laughs> Both one of my favorite sequences for some of the characters and my least favorite character of the entire movie, which you know, Aunt Meg, I guess is Aww. her name. And this is the, the second character that I repeatedly wrote no, wrong in my notes is Aunt Meg. I'm looking over and over again here as I wrote it as Aunt May, um, yeah. which is another very annoying character. <laughs> uh, I just want to say, I hate quirky old ladies in movies. Like, there is nothing Aww. that bothers me. The way that you're bothered by little girls who <laughs> eat bananas or whatever. <laughs> I'm bothered by quirky old ladies who. That's who why you hate Titanic. Projects. That's why you hate the first hour of Titanic. Yes. <laughs> you know, there's only. She does art projects and she cooks and she makes bad jokes about killing animals. I mean, oh, it's just. I can't stand that, Meg. I wish the house had crushed her later on. This could have been like. <laughs> Wow. There's always that one character, and there's wow. always one character in the movie that rubs you the wrong way. Like, oh. yeah, as I said, I mean, Jonas is the type of character that would have bothered me three or four years earlier watching this movie. Three or four years earlier, I wouldn't have been bothered by Aunt May at all. And yet, at this age, watch, maybe it was a teenage thing again. You're being a teenage boy, it's like, this little old lady's annoying. Like, I don't want to watch her. Uh, I just, I hate Aunt May. <laughs> Colin Hilding wishing little old ladies died in the house crashes. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that and seeing people burnt alive. Imagine if the house caught fire halfway through. You would be, you'd be in heaven. Oh, you just found the one scenario where I love Aunt Meg in this movie. <laughs> the house like crushes her. You think, oh no, she's dead. Then she gets running out of the house on fire. Ah! <laughs> You're just like, this is the best movie ever. <laughs> I, um... I just, I, I, I disagree i think she's like i mean i can see your point about old ladies in movies because like you know aunt may in spider-man let's be honest you know shit yeah. uh, i mean sally field was okay but like you know the the original one whoever she was yeah. like i mean come on but i i really like Aunt meg and like because it's lois smith as well any true blood fan knows ultimately you know she's sookie sookie's grandmother <laughs> You know, like, I just, I Sorry, just wanted... you just sounded totally crazy right now because I've never seen that show and I have no idea what you're talking well, about. Well, there you go. <laughs> we, we, we just mentioned X-Men before, Anna Paquin, True Blood. We're finding it's the six degrees yeah. of Kevin Bacon all over here, folks. But um, I, I don't know, there's just something quirky about Aunt Meg. Like, she's, she's kind of... I know, of... that's the problem! <laughs> she's not that... I don't, I don't see her as that annoying old lady. She's just kind of like the cool grandma you want, like... My my only thing with Aunt Meg, and this is, I guess, a random little um, pick, nitpick, but, like, we see at the beginning, obviously, you know, Joe and her dad getting sucked up and the mum. Like, why is this her aunt? Why can't this be her mum? Like, why? why yeah. It's it's kind of random that it's like, let's introduce her aunt. Like, it, it, surely it can just be your mum because, I mean, we saw her at the beginning and surely we can just continue on the fact that she's still close with the mum and it's sad that her dad died. So, I mean, that's my only thing with it. But I, I like Aunt Meg. Screw you, Colin. That's mean. <laughs> um, th- this whole sequence here, there's some fun stuff again with all the different characters and some things that are a little bit questionable here. Uh, we do have the moment, which I like the moment with, uh, you got a lot of beef. Uh, where'd you get all this? It's like, did you see my cows out front? Oh, oh, then oh. just her reaction. That's what bothers me. Her reaction. Like, it's, you know, if anybody who listens to our Double Oz 7 show knows, like, my disdain for Halle Berry and Dying of the Day, it's the same thing. You're waiting for that rim shot at the end of No, her. you can't compare it's that. Thing. It's not even remotely can, close. 
the line would work. I'm going to be nitpicking here. <laughs> just, I'm just, I'm, now I'm imagining it's like, did you see my <laughs> cows out front? No. Well, you got the thrust of it. <laughs> I think I think the line would work if she didn't have that. <laughs> like she's just laughing. Don't joke. I hate that. Ugh. If it just, do you see my cows? And she gives him a look. Then I'd be like, "That's my cool grandma." But no, this is my annoying, quirky grandma who I'm ashamed of, and I don't want to take my friends home to meet because wow. they're gonna be like, "Man, your grandma sucks, Colin." Why'd no you one's bring ever us- met your grandparents? Like clearly, that's why. <laughs> I'm ashamed of them. They make jokes about beef. They remind me of Halle Perry and die another day. Um, I don't know the name of the character here, but the who's the other girl in their group here? Do you do you have a name for her? Um, yes. Uh- <laughs> Stalling people. Yes, and that would be um. Um, just keep talking, and I'll let you know. <laughs> When they're going over the the as they're explaining to Melissa, you know uh, what is what is an F whatever, and they're talking about uh, you know oh well that one there was like an F two or an F three, and they're saying we might see an F four today, and then the the other girl goes an F four that would be sweet. And they've just explained that the F scale is measuring things based on how much it eats or destroys, and she's mm-hmm. like if you see an F four that would be sweet. This is the masochist girl. Like she's like, oh, how great would it be if this thing just ripped apart like an elementary school and a daycare and like, Cute those cows out and about a plate because they should be sucked up and ripped to pieces. Like, this is really sick for her to be being like. That's really sweet. An F four. I hope we all die in this. Her name is Haynes, by the way. There you go. Yeah, it's um, it's it's interesting, and because it's the same with uh, Joey Slutnik's character when he's like, "I'd like to get struck by lightning once, you know, just to see what it's like." Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> like, yeah, I'd love to get murdered once. I think it would be fun. <laughs> it's that stereotype that you you have the nerd characters that are just very shy and timid, and then you have those nerds that are just really freaky and nasty. <laughs> And they just hide it well. This whole group are like the freaky, nasty nerds. Like they're into some weird stuff, like getting struck by lightning and destruction. They've got they've got, they've got sex dungeons back in their offices. They're they're into some kinky <laughs> shit, like you know, electrocution, lots of wind tunnels. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's I mean the thing that is always it's you know they're talking about F three F four. You know they go quiet. And you've got, you know, Melissa, of course, who is the, the, the voice of the people watching this. We don't know anything about tornadoes. Is there an F5? We want to ask the same question. And they're also shocked. They're like, oh, don't talk about F5s. Oh, yeah. no, they're so bad. It's like, well, duh, there's an, what's after Wait. F4? What do you think's going to happen F- next? And F4 is sweet and F5 is just wrong. That, that kills parents. That's not nice. <laughs> You know, it's okay to kill other people, but not parents. That's wrong. Uh, it is a little bit weird. Um, but yeah, I mean, this there's this whole sequence is basically the pit stop. So we get introduced to somebody we're supposed to care about if they almost die. Not and that anybody... Yeah. <laughs> I don't want Jonas to die. I want Aunt Meg to die. This is what I was talking about earlier. <laughs> well, what about her dog? We got to care about... That, that's the one character in this movie that annoys me. Her dog. <laughs> yeah. The random 90s trope of, oh, no, not the dog. Yeah. The the dog always has to be saved at the end. Like, you can't kill babies and you can't kill dogs. (laughs) Yes, or old ladies. (laughs) 
Uh, we get a nice touching scene here with uh, Joe showering. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> the sexy, oh, I brush past you while I'm doing my buttons up. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, see, in all seriousness, I shouldn't make fun of that because it kind of is like, it works. It's like, oh, Yeah, chemistry. it does work. Yeah. <laughs> what, what doesn't work is Aunt Meg trying to give relationship <laughs> advice to a crying Joe here. Like, just shut up, Aunt Meg. We don't oh. need to hear you. And, and she's two-faced, too, because she's sitting there like, oh, Billy, Billy. And she's so excited. And then she's like, he didn't live up to his end of the bargain. Like, we still don't even know why they divorced. Like, what if Joe cheated on him with Jonas or something? And that's why he knocks his hat off in the beginning. Well, we had that weird sexual temp chemistry scene with Jonas and Joe, didn't we? You know, about the, yeah. I don't know what's going on with Bill. He's wacky. He's crazy. Like, you know, like, it's going to be a love quadrangle or something you know jonah's sneaking through the window man i had my opportunity with joe (laughs) now we can rewrite this movie we can give this a script it really deserves you take my wife i knock off your head (laughs) exactly you sniff Speaking of possible, you know, I'm sad we don't get the deleted scene or a prequel of Twister where we get the the sequence of drunk Bill throwing a bottle of Jack Daniels into the (laughs) Twister. Have a drink. (laughs) Yeah, we get this debate that goes on, I swear, for five minutes of, I was not naked. He was naked. I was sort of naked. No, I was like 90% naked. No, it's like I was wearing a sock over it, okay? It's like, no, you were 100% naked, man. But this is kind of like... Are we imagining this? (laughs) Dusty's most vivid memory of this was Bill naked. Like, it wasn't anything else. He's he's not describing. You know, it was an F2.5... Six or something like that. It's like, so Bill was having it all hang out, okay? And, and I mean, you've been with the guy. You know how he looks. <laughs> I love that, like Melissa's reaction in this whole dinner sequence. You know, when the the meat's going on a plate and she just looks like, oh my god, what the fuck? And then just Guys. like, <laughs> and when she's talking about like, he's like, oh, there's an e- there was an evil Billy and I destroyed him. Just like the like. <laughs> This is where she's like, who am I marrying? <laughs> when he's like, and I killed him. And then you get Haynes, they're going, that was sweet. Oh. <laughs> and Joey, I'd like to get killed once. You know, just to see what it's yeah, like. just to see what it's like. <laughs> Better than what you sniff. <laughs> okay, so they find out that there's another tornado here. Um, and we get another chase. I mean, it's it's kind of repetitive at this point. Um, you know, I'm not in a bad way, but I mean, it's just more tornadoes and everything. So this is the one where, you know, they can't get Dorothy going and then it ends, you know, the tornado touches them and instead of it just dissipating, it creates like a thunderstorm, a torrential downpour on them, you know, so they could be more wet and we get the entire... Uh, argument here about you know Joe and her death wish and all that and this awkward moment of you know Bill saying you know you got me Joe and Melinda of course is listening to this entire thing after unloading on Dusty finally you know finally letting her rage show (laughs) this progressive relationship with Dusty and now she's like you're such an idiot I just (laughs) I'm the craziest one of them all And Dusty goes, what? What? I can't hear you. It's like, I don't know what you're saying, but I'm sure it's really cool. <laughs> it's, I mean, this whole, 
I, again, uh, this is this is really strange, and I thought there would be little things that I'm nitpicking. I'm, I'm really not, because I'm just talking about how much I love it. I mean, going into this sequence, just when they're, you know, getting in the... They're leaving the house, they're, they're getting there, and just the music. I mean, we talked about Van Halen and humans being before. This might be the perfect opportunity to... To talk about oh, this was we just missed it playing, yeah. <laughs> this this was the reason why I got this soundtrack because of this sequence. I used to like always when I'd watch this. As I said, I'd watch this like every day when I got it on VHS. I would always rewind this sequence and watch it because I love the build up when they're running to their cars and then they're driving and you get the dun, 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 like I just love it so much and I love the song. And I, like, if anyone knows the history of Van Halen and kind of what happened after this, this is often considered the song that pretty much killed Van Halen. Um, but yeah. I love well, I it. Mean, it's such a good song. It is. And, and you know, Van Halen's, like, kind of before my time. Um, my brother, who's younger than I was, was really into Van Halen, though. And um, he had, like, their greatest hits that came out after this. As you mentioned, what split them up, you know, the other after they did this song... They brought David Lee Roth back in without telling Sammy Hagar. So this was like the last Sammy Hagar song. And he had bought like the greatest hits they had. And I would just listen to this one song over and over again on mm-hmm. it. Like, I, I don't I don't mind their other stuff. It's good. But like, Humans Being is just, it's such an amazing song. And the way it works in this movie, yeah. like, like you said, the da-da-da, like this could be the entire score of the movie and they work it into the score as well. I mean, yeah. it, this song does not get nearly enough credit. I mean, it, and it's, it's the only song that really fits the movie. Like, you said you went out and bought the soundtrack, and you know when, when I look at who's on the soundtrack, I can understand why you're listening to this. But <laughs> it's not wow. what you would expect your your standard Twister fan to be like. I want to hear some Shania Twain and some <laughs> Goo Goo Dolls, some Lisa Lowe, maybe some Katie Lang. Like this is Lilith Fair's greatest hits here, and then they throw Van Halen in there. Like it doesn't fit the rest of the songs on there. It's the one song that really fits the movie, though. It's. I mean. It's just the build-up, exactly. It's just, it's so good, and just this whole sequence. And the, the one that they use in the credits, too, the Respect the Wind song as well. Um, it's just it's just awesome. I just can't speak highly enough of this soundtrack, and not because of the Goo Goo Dolls. <laughs> wait, wait, that's the one you... Okay, the second best band on here, and you're like, the Goo Goo Dolls. You could have been like Katie Lang or Katie Tori Lang is Amos. a respected Canadian, Colin, for shame. Well, because well, she's an old lady. <laughs> and quirky too. Yes. She did a bond she did a bond rejected theme that's better than most bond themes. I don't have a problem, but like <laughs> you're you're getting bothered by the cuckoo dolls. Well should I try Lisa Lowe? <laughs> She's Canadian too, isn't she? <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers are on the soundtrack. We're not giving them any, you know, shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, this this sequence works. And one thing that I I strangely love, I strangely love a lot of things. Again, I like Die Another Day. Shut up. Um, but I, I'm a... what our listeners just responded to when you said that. Shut up. <laughs> They're like, oh wow, maybe maybe Human Being actually is a good song. Oh wait, no, he likes Die Another Day and told this us to shut Oz up. Network's really winning me over. <laughs> Die Another Day, unsubscribe. Better than what you sniff. Um, you sniff. <laughs> <laughs> but I really like. Um, I'm a fan of rain and bad weather. That's a weird thing to like, but <laughs> like. 
I just, okay, I don't know. This... I, I know where you're going with this, and I'm with you, but what a weird thing to say. <laughs> it's extremely weird. I think, I mean, I think Noah and I might have talked about this on an episode of 007, now available via the iTunes. Uh, the iTunes, apparently, it's a thing now. <laughs> iTunes. Wow, what is happening right now? Um, but, I mean, I, Noah and I are weirdly fans of Fog. We, we love fog. Fog is awesome. But, like, the the way this happens, like, the weather, the rain, the darkness of the sky, just, I love it. Just the, the theme and the the feel of it all. And, I mean, if you read and look into, like, the making of and all this sort of stuff, like, they had so many issues with this because, clearly, every day they're filming is not going to be bad weather. They've got to create this and lots of wind machines, um, lots of, you know, effects and everything along those lines. But, again... It works. You don't realise that. You think they're just in a bad day. They're in a bad area. Um, and this whole... you're, you're, now, you're now assuming what our listeners think. You think that. <laughs> the Oz Network, the only podcast, pod, pod, podcast, podcast that tells you what to think. Uh, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Um, but, yeah, just this whole build-up. And, again, we were talking before about the fact that he's got to get out and turn it on, which takes him forever. Like, later on, when he gets he gets it to work, it takes him, like, two seconds. <laughs> I guess he's at the rain. Um, but, like, I love it when it touches down and we get all the, the guys in the background there that have pulled up and are waiting. And who is it? It's like, that's Nell's moon! It's a space station! It's a space like, station, yeah! <laughs> just getting I so never, excited. I never noticed that. I've seen this movie dozens of times. Over the last 21 years, I have never noticed that line until just the last time I watched it. Yeah, yeah. It's just... Uh, and then, of course, you know, they, they lose Dorothy, then Joe, as you said. And, I mean, we talked about um, the cow kind of being the mo- most well-known. I mean, this this is the trailer line right now. You know, you've never seen it miss this house and miss that house and come after you. And then the whole, you can't explain it, you can't predict it. Um, mm. Which, I mean, it's a great scene. I'm not... Trying to say it's a bad yeah. scene. One thing I will say, though, with Joe, when she's like, you've never seen it miss this house and miss that house and come after you, you neither didn't really as well. You were kind of in a bunker <laughs> watching your dad getting sucked up. So. She was also on a farm, like, in the middle of nowhere. Like, she couldn't see her neighbors. And she I didn't, a telescope on her I didn't realize tornadoes were like the, jo- the Jaws 4 movie mechanics that they have revenge. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> Tornadoes are just secretly hunting down Joe Harding. The, we killed your dad, but not you. <laughs> yeah, that's the plot. Joe and Bill's kids are grown up. They're at college. They're off at Harvard or whatever. And the tornadoes follow them from Kansas to Harvard just to destroy their children. And it roars right at the end as it's yeah. trying to kill Michael Caine in an aeroplane. Uh- <laughs> Jaws 4, coming soon to the Oz Network. <laughs> That's one that we're going to have fun on when we yes. eventually get to that. <laughs> but, I mean, it's it's such... I, again, I, I'm, I don't know what I'm trying to say with this scene, but it works. Like, it's it's, it's emotional, you know? Like, I'm sorry your dad died, but it's it was so long ago. It's got to move on. See what's in front of you. Me, Joe! Like, it's like, oh, he still loves her. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> and somehow, Melissa can hear all of this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know Dusty how... Dusty can't hear her screaming in his ear, but she can hear the radio transmission above all of this. It, I mean, it's windy, it's hailing, uh, but somehow the the radio's working cars perfectly so that they can hear it. But, I mean, in all seriousness, it's, it's a sad scene then when you see Melissa's face and she's all, you know, dejected and upset. You know, she's losing Billy! Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a great scene. It's powerful. And I mean, the effects, everything, it works. I'm not nitpicking on this at all. I feel, (laughs) 
Um, I just want to go back for a second. And again, I know what you mean when you said you're a fan of like bad weather and rain. I mean, one of my reoccurring dreams still to this day is I mentioned how, you know, I wanted to be a storm chaser and stuff like that. And, but not that I was going to professionally do that, but just as a hobby, let me spend a summer finding tornadoes in Saskatchewan or whatever. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's but, do it. <laughs> <laughs> but when you said, you know, you and Noah are big fans of fog. Now I have this visual of you and Noah driving down the road in the barn burner, chasing <laughs> fog everywhere you go. <laughs> we got an fog F5 fog storm over in snug. <laughs> <laughs> it swallowed all the snug. It's <laughs> quick. Get to the shelter. <laughs> Better than what you sniff? No! <laughs> Noah's shed is no more. <laughs> Honey, we gotta go. We got fog! <laughs> um, the, the second sad scene of the movie is coming up. The, the drive-in. Well, the entire drive-in experience just seems sad. But I always love the drive-in theater. Like, usually you get these scenes... And the Aunt Meg scene was kind of like this, where it's, let's cool the audience down for a minute because we're going to throw something heavy at them. But that was a little bit different because it was meant to be fun and introduce characters and stuff. But this is just like everybody's just relaxed scene at the drive-in. And uh, for one thing, I just love drive-in theaters. Like, have you ever been to a drive-in theater? I was, yeah, um, I think I was about five. Uh, I was in Sydney. And I remember it was... um I can't actually remember the first movie, but I know the second movie, and it's funny because I think we were talking about this earlier, weren't we? Uh, was don't tell no, it was uh, don't shoot my don't stop or my mum will shoot. That's stop what I'm trying to think of. Shoot. That was showing, and I th- actually I think the other one was don't tell mum the babysitter's dead from memory. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very uh-huh. young. I remember it very <laughs> vaguely. I always wanted to go to drive-in theaters. I always thought it was just such a cool idea, and I never got to see one until. Uh, years, I mean, it was when the first Spider-Man movie came out, so I I was already an adult by the time I went to a drive-in theater, and, oh no, wait, a couple years earlier than that, I saw one Gone in 60 Seconds with a friend of mine, when we were, like, late teenagers, a which is the oddest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we know what drive-ins are used for, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> the oddest thing is to come out of a drive-in theater after seeing Gone in 60 Seconds and everybody's spinning their tires and speeding. <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of nowhere, I'm in a drive-in theater. But it, they closed this drive-in theater here down years ago, and we discovered one this past year uh, that runs out of a town called Morden here in Manitoba, which is no joke. It's an hour and a half to two hours away. And I made a trip this past summer to go down there and see a triple feature, which is Batman, Superman, Suicide Squad, and some terrible horror movie they just played after that. And it was just so Suicide cool to go Squad. down there. <laughs> yeah, the Suicide Squad's amazing. Don't trash Suicide Squad. Um, but, uh, but I love drive-in theaters and uh, this movie made news here and I, I don't think it was here in Manitoba, but it was probably somewhere nearby, uh, that Twister was playing, mm-hmm. uh, at a time when a drive-in theater was ripped apart. And, uh, I, I think, let me it see if in I can Ontario. find It was in Stony Creek on, I've actually was literally going to use that Very, fact as yeah. well. <laughs> that's in front yeah, of me as right. I speak. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember it made big news here and of course, you know, this is like, you know, pre-internet. So something gets published in a newspaper and the only way people find out about it is that other people are talking about it. And the story at the time that you'd hear at school and everything is, oh, uh, Twister was playing on a movie theater and the tornado came and ripped apart the screen while Twister was playing. Like, that's the way people told the story. It was actually like after hours or something like that, but it was still like a cool fact I remember from the time period. 
And just, <laughs> this is completely unrelated, going back to the cows, I'm just reading the trivia here for Twister, underneath the one about the, the driving theatre. According to the book on the making of the movie, the CGI cow picked up by the Twister sisters was originally a CGI zebra from Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't realise that CGI characters can go on to star in different films. <laughs> Did that get a credit? I played a zebra in uh, Jumanji and a cow in Twister. Um, yeah, it's this whole... Are we talking about the sequence? Am I jumping ahead now? Or what am, what am I talking about uh, driving? Well, you know, let's, let's group in... I mean, we don't have as much to talk about in the drive-in sequence. I mean, it's Joe signing her divorce papers. It's... For whatever reason, it always... I'm not going to say bother me, but I always kind of got a laugh out of the fact that when she orders the coffees, the girl there asks her to repeat no. herself. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I was, I was literally going to say she's one of my favorite like random people in this entire movie. I know the way she's like, like, bitch. Yeah, it's one line, but there's this weird like I don't know if it's that she actually doesn't hear her, if she's just annoyed that somebody's yeah. bothering her. I think it's more the annoyed factor because you look at it, she's having a great conversation with a coworker. She's just like, yeah. can I have eight coffees to go, please? Eight. You know how long that's going to take me? (laughs) I'm about to close the register off. Like, I'm going home to my boyfriend, Billy Bob, and you want me to make eight? Like, eight coffees is eight minutes, okay? Like, that's a big (laughs) chunk of my life. (laughs) But yeah, I just, I always found kind of a cup of. I found that part kind of funny, and <laughs> I get I get so flustered when I think about the snotty girl. In <laughs> I'm so it's so funny that like this. I mean, generally, Colin and I have differing opinions when we've talked about like James Bond films. You know, we it's very rare that we have similar viewpoints. But I've written down this girl thinking like, oh, Colin would never mention this random girl who's eight. I don't know, she's just one of these random people that I love. There's always, like, in any movie you watch, there's always, like, one person that's just got no point to the plot. Yeah, exactly. Random. That you just always have a thing, like, I like that person. And just this girl, just like, eight. Yeah. <laughs> Can we also say, it's funny, when the twister does hit, Joe gives a warning, she tells him to run. They run out the back door. <laughs> when they all get into the shelter later, this girl's nowhere to be seen. Like, she's running out in the field somewhere because Joe sent her the wrong way. She sent this young girl to her death. Yes. She's making eight coffees. And again, do they ever get the coffees? Um, but I mean, this is, um, yeah, I don't know really what else it is to add in this, this sequence. I mean, they all hide oh, in a more. death trap and get like chopped yeah, up I got by things. Thing. Go, the sorry, other yes. random moment that as a teenager, I just found hilarious was, and I don't know the name of the character again, you know, the old guy, um, so you hate him. who gets the, the, what's his name? I was going to say, you hate him because he's old, but... Uh. No, no, I don't... I actually like this guy. Quirky old men are different, but... <laughs> sexist. Colin's a no, sexist. Actually, no, when I get to the point, you're going to understand why I like this. Um, as a person, which, again, people listening to this who haven't listened to Double Oz 7 um, may not yeah, well, understand, but... You will find out very soon on the Oz Network that the funniest thing in the world to me is people on fire. <laughs> The fact that this old man has a hubcap gash him really gruesomely yes. across his forehead, and he's just sort of like, oh, what just happened? Like, he's so out of it. I love it. It, just, it makes me laugh that this old man is probably going to bleed to death. But he doesn't, so it's okay. Wow. Again, another one of those moments of being a teenager at the time seeing this. You just you got some enjoyment out of seeing this crazy old man. Because nobody else gets hurt in this movie. Like, nobody gets cut. Nobody gets bruised. I mean, Joe and Bill go through, like, 
the most harsh F5 twister, and they come out of it, you know, perfectly groomed and everything. And this old man is the only one that needs to bleed in the movie. It's, just, it's a sick thing they probably do. Let's just hurt the old man. It's, it's really funny to me. I don't know why. Okay, it's safe to assume that here on the Oz Network, you will never want to listen to an episode of us talking about, like, Schindler's List or the <laughs> piano or, like, uh, I don't know, Philadelphia, these serious movies, because Colin's going to be like, oh, when Tom Hanks gets AIDS, I always laugh. Like... It's just gonna be terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping of anybody else out there who just finds it funny to see the old man get his head sliced open. Please tell me. <laughs> I don't think I'm the sickest human being on the planet. I just, I mean, the bit, the bit that always gets me with that is that, like, I mean, you're right. No one gets hurt in this movie, you know, except for what Jonas and Eddie are the only ones, yeah. you know. But it's like, I mean, well, May hurts a wrist. You vague over her, um, Meg, May, whatever. <laughs> but it's like, <laughs> let's be realistic. Again, they're in this like little pit thing of an auto shop or whatever it is. This this hubcap rim, whatever it is, comes flying at him with a force from an F five tornado. He should be scalped. He should be, like, yeah. you know, exposed. <laughs> His brain should be, like, half chopped off. There should be blood and gore everywhere. <laughs> but, like, nope, just a little cut for him to go, ow, my head. <laughs> I gotta stop visualising this. This is terrible. <laughs> I mean, if this was remade by, like, the creators of Saw, like, you know, that hose that was flicking about would be, like, you know, chopping limbs off. Uh, just, you know... Melissa's coffee would be like over her face, burning it, just, you know, <laughs> thrown about. But I mean, we we should also um, speaking of trailer lines, you know, uh, when Dusty comes out, it's coming, it's coming right for us. Like they would yeah. always show that in like, or when it was on TV, you know, that was that was always shown. And I mean, I have to say, like at the end, I think only one cop car shows up at the end, doesn't it? Like you know, this tornado. Yeah, exactly. This mile-wide F5 tornado that, what, disappears and reappears later on in the day. Um, was like, you know, just... And the, the face, we're just going backtracking when um, Colin was talking about my profile picture, uh, how I've now changed it to Melissa's face with the car. Originally, my face was the reaction shot of her coming out of the hotel seeing the tornado. Because you see, like, yeah. Joe's face is kind of like, huh? And Bill's like, huh? And then Melissa's like, ah! Like a tornado. <laughs> She's terrified. She knows there's going to be cows involved. And Haynes is like, sweet! <laughs> yes! And who's it? The, the, what's his name? Uh, who's hiding in the car? Uh, oh, yeah, the Jeremy Davies. Um, yeah. He's like, I yeah, mean, let's just call him Jeremy Davies. <laughs> you know, it's like, why are you hiding in the car, mate? You are a tornado hunter. I think you're going you to know, die. <laughs> we haven't really been able to talk about his character, but he kind of was set up earlier on as being cowardly. Mm. When I think one of the first tornadoes hit, uh, guys, I think we should kind of get out of here. Like that was that was some really intense wind going on there. And like, no, 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 let's go for another run. Like he's been trying to get out of this since day one. This is the intern that didn't in, sign up for this. And he's in the car, and then Joe's like, "Take my hand." He's like, "I can't. Why can't you take her hand? <laughs> like, you do it anyway." Stop arguing. I, I'm a germaphobe. I'm, I'm ashamed to admit it, but I'm a germaphobe. And just one quick thing is like when they're in the the pit and. Um, you know, the, they're waiting for the tornado out. Melissa's, like, yelling at Bill. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I don't know what she's saying. And Joe's just looking over, like, going, oh, I'm get definitely getting back with him soon. She's leaving. And, I mean, ultimately <laughs> she does. <laughs> but anyway. 
I always wondered the the scene where um, I can't remember if it was this scene or earlier on where Joe walks past and uh, Melissa's kind of freaking out and she asks, "Are you okay?" It almost I don't know if it looks like she's actually looking at Bill when she asks that, or is she looking at Melissa? I don't even know if you can pinpoint. Yeah, the scene I, I'm picturing it. I I think that was the bit when they were on the bridge after the the water ones. I'm pretty sure. Um, Everybody rewatch this yeah i was watching it as they listen to this we look like idiots right now because we don't know our stuff. Yeah. we love this movie it's so good we can't remember one minor scene yeah. uh we do have the breakup scene in here too which no. it, it, this is the only reason it works because you do feel bad for her yeah when she's over here in the conversation earlier you know and this scene should never work. There's no way it should work. And it is disgusting, as you said, that that um, um, uh, her name's slipping my uh, Jamie Gertz, that she was nominated for a Razzie for this because this is probably the most dramatic scene of the movie. I mean, I know the scene earlier with Joe and Bill was more dramatic, but that was like almost like theatrical. This is just a really subtle scene that has to be taken really seriously. And she pulls this off and she makes you almost feel better for her for doing this. Yeah. And for and it's not like you're supposed to feel bad for Bill. Like there's, there's ways you do this scene where you walk away from it, You're like, yeah, you go girl. It's like, Oh, that <laughs> Bill guy. Ugh, can't believe that he let her go. But you actually feel good for both of them at the end of this. And yet five minutes earlier, the scene would have never worked. Like it had to be delivered in a specific way. So this is probably one of the most effective scenes in the movie. And it's, it's kind of strange because it's like, it's, it's a weird setup that you've got this, it's not even really a love triangle, really, is it? Because, I mean, I, I guess you know that, you know, Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton are going to get, get together again at the end of the movie. You know, I mean, here's Melissa Reeve as, as the comic relief. Um, mm. You know, not really. But, yeah, it's it's kind of... And it's, it's it's effective because it's not like... I mean, you're sad, but you're not. It's, it's, it's kind of strange because, as you said, you're kind of thinking this is better for them anyway. You know, mm-hmm. you, you're not thinking to yourself, oh, that bastard Bill, you know, poor Melissa. She's going to go, like, hook up with Dusty as revenge. And, um, <laughs> you know, I don't... <laughs> this great visual that that is her, her fallback or what's, what's the word I'm looking for here? Her, her um, rebound. Rebound, rebound yep. Is yeah. dusty. <laughs> the, but the barn burners, you know, if the barn burners yeah. banging, don't come a clanging, um, you know, something like that. But um, sucks. yeah, I mean, and but I mean, I think at the end of the day, it sucks. <laughs> Colin said it. Um, <laughs> Better than what you sniff. <laughs> but I mean, realistically, this is the only way you could, because re- I mean, at this point, where else could she have gone from this movie? Like, still driving around with them. <laughs> Like, you know, <laughs> as they're jumping out of the car into the cornfields. Oh, shit, Melissa! Oh, well, there she goes. <laughs> up, and, up and away. She died for science. Uh, like, yeah, I agree with you. And I think, you look, it's, I mean, the Razzies, they're the Razzies. But, like, how can she get nominated for a Razzie? Seriously, I mean, let's can we not go over 1996 cinema? Um, I mean, the, the this is a random one that I just thought of. The the stripper lady in Independence Day who ultimately ends up on the roof dying as the building gets blown up in Los yeah, Angeles. Well, She's a worse actress than freaking yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Jamie Gertz. Come on. Yeah, there's a lot of worse actors in this year. Um, there's a lot of worse actors in this movie, let's be honest. Uh, as you said, I think... Aunt Meg, are you saying that? <laughs> I need to find out. I need to find out who else... She, I mean, she didn't win it. Um, but, uh, I mean, Madonna probably won it that year. She always wins it, doesn't she? 
where are we? Quickly, 1996. So Melanie Griffith won for Mulholland Falls. Um, also nominated were Faye Dunaway, because she, what, stuffed up the Best Actor nomination. <laughs> <laughs> the Chamber and Dunstan checks in. Oh, Dunstan checks in. What a classic movie. Um, oh, you're not going to like one of these. <laughs> Daryl Hannah, uh, Too Much, and Terry Hatcher. <laughs> <laughs> Again, we were talking about off-air. Are they not the same person, Terry Hatcher and Jamie yeah. Gertz? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we follow this up with my favorite aunt meg and uh, <laughs> would have been great if this scene ended differently or the fantasy script or whatever but um yeah they have to go back to save her because we're supposed to care that it just hit her her little village and ripped apart her all art sculptures and stuff like that but i mean i i always kind of like in disaster movies the, the the scenes where you get to crawl through like the the aftermath i mean yeah. let's be honest in this movie it's a movie about tornadoes where we really don't get to see destruction. We get to see little bits in the country, you know, a farmhouse ripped apart, a barn, a cow flying through the air, a truck. But, I mean, getting to see an entire house ripped apart, I mean, that's what you normally see in disaster movies. So that is kind of, I guess, the staple of this. And there's one part in the scene that's just really bizarre where they finally do get Aunt Meg out. And the doctor's checking her out. They're like, is she okay? Is she going to live? And then he, he basically just looks at her and says... We'll keep overnight props if she thinks she'll be okay. He diagnosed the woman without touching her. (laughs) How does this doctor know this? He looks in her eyes. He's like, she'll be just fine. (laughs) Well, he's he's the one doctor in Wakita, and they know everyone. So like, yeah, exactly. I know your medical records off by heart. You are you are gonna be have to be overnight, definitely, definitely, Aunt Meg. Yep. (laughs) And and at the end of this, we get the greatest Pepsi product placement in the history of movies (laughs) because they finally discover, I know how to make Dorothy fly. And all they're doing is spending about five minutes of this movie, cutting up Pepsi can after Pepsi can after Pepsi can (laughs) as the radar shows subliminal Pepsi logo after Pepsi logo over and over again, because how you make Dorothy fly is to get the little sensors airborne that need that switch to somehow activate them. Hmm. Which, of course, all came from uh, Helen Hunt staring at wind chimes. So, again, Meg saved this movie, Colin. If they didn't Meg, go back to save no. her, then look at the wind chimes. They would have never... Where would this movie be if that wind chime was in the shape her house was in? <laughs> yes. It's, I mean, this whole sequence, uh, I mean, there is a real place called Wakita. It's really in Oklahoma. They really did film it here. And they basically did destroy the town, essentially, to film this <laughs> sequence. Um, I mean, it's, it's fascinating reading about what they actually did with it. And... Um, I was reading all the behind the scenes stuff to do with it that they basically used, I mean, it's a tiny town. And so pretty much everyone who lived in the town was an extra. This was all legitimate. Um, and they filmed there for, I think, like a week or so, and they all became good friends with the cast. Bill Paxton would hang around and play football with the locals, basically, and Give everything. Give 8x10s to the museum. Yeah, well, this is exactly it. There is a Twister Museum in Wakita. <laughs> Please head to twistercountry.com if you do not believe us. This website looks like yeah. it was made in 1996 on GeoCities. It has not been updated properly, even though it has. Uh, and I, I, I strangely want to go to this museum. <laughs> it's like legitimately the most basic looking museum. It's like a, just a tiny little shop with pictures of the cast in it and a few <laughs> little bits of memorabilia. But they had a 20th anniversary party on May the 14th, 2016, to celebrate it. So clearly it's still a big deal for Wakita. 
Um, and I, I feel that we need to contact this museum to get, like, the curator on the show. I mean, that's probably the Dr. Colin. It's probably the guy yeah. who played the doctor. <laughs> How did you know Aunt Meg was going to be kept overnight? I mean, but, it is yeah, cool. We like, will, we have- will. They have some legitimately cool stuff in there, like the Dorothy's, as you said, you know, mm. autographs, everything like that. Uh, <laughs> the fact that I don't even know if this is part of it, but they basically have eight by ten photos of Bill Paxton and Helena. <laughs> They're not even autographed as one of the things <laughs> on their museum. <laughs> they just they just got the ability to print photos in 1996. It was a big deal. See, like Joey Slotnick, you know, he wasn't too big. For the Wakita Museum, you know, he sat there and he did. He gave them, you know, his the shirt off his back, and the old guy gave him the bandage off of his head and stuff like that. And and Meg donated her dog, <laughs> but Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt were way too important to bother themselves with this museum, so they passed off some eight by tens that their publicists gave them. I will say um, just random things with this, like when they're driving down the street and, you know, Joe sees the family, which looks strikingly similar to Joe as a little girl, her dad and her mum. There's a lot of that in this movie. Like this whole dynamic of the, the mother and the, the, the daughter or whatever, this repeat of Joe's family comes up more than once. Yeah. And then um, my favourite, you'll probably hate this bit, when, you know, she's going off to hospitals like, I'm fine, I'll forget it. I need my car. Honey, your car's in a tree around the corner yeah. she's like oh just that noise you make. but who delivered that line about the tree it was it was rabbit wasn't it it was alan ruck so that's a alan good ruck. line okay right yes <laughs> fair enough fair enough but no it's um, it's it's uh yeah it's it's a base it's the scene is just nothing but you know we've saved meg good for her uh but the, the one bit that though that kind of does bother me is when art meg says you've got to go you've got to go stop it so now helen hunt can stop tornadoes okay then uh well, this is no, a subplot we didn't bill, see <laughs> bill can he just stands in his path yes. and it dissipates have a drink <laughs> <laughs> better than what you sniff <laughs> um yeah, I mean, the last twister sequences here, it's really two-part, but, you know, as they figured out they can make Dorothy fly or whatever, we get another one of these things where Jonas is following them, and he doesn't want to follow them, he doesn't want to follow them, and we get the radio thing, which really comes up to the sad moment of the movie, which is Jonas's death. Uh, such a great sleazy villain, but also, I don't understand why he's the character that has to die. Like, uh, let's be honest... When characters die in a movie, it should either be it's a sacrifice so the audience really feels something, or it's a payoff where you're like, oh, that person finally got what was coming to them. We've been made to hate Jonas up until this point, so his death is basically there to make the audience cheer in a way. (laughs) And the fact that they just sort of turn away from like, ooh, that's gruesome, (laughs) it just doesn't make sense. Like, putting this in the movie doesn't make sense. Like, we're supposed to root for Jonas's death. I don't understand why Jonas is such a bad guy. Hmm. He stole a design, but he found a way to make money out of it. But the objective is still exactly the same as what Bill and Joe are trying to do. For the Even good if... of the community. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, no, we don't want him be... to succeed and save lives. We want to get the credit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like... Even though he's making some money off of this, it's yeah. not like anything else is going to change. I mean, it's still about tornado warnings. It's not like they're going to privatize this. It's like, now if you pay us... <laughs> Uh, $20 a month fee for every member of your community, we will provide a radar system or whatever in there. It'll detect the tornado. 
everybody still lives in it. It really is kind of an ego thing if you think about it, this movie. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it's just, it's one of these things that, I mean, I know we talked about it in our six day one. It's like you, you analyze and it's kind of like, well, he's unfortunately the bad guy. It's like, it's like yeah. this one, it's, you're exactly right. Because at the end of the day, if Jonas succeeds, it's still good. People's lives. I mean, what was it from a three minute warning to a 15 minute warning? That's kind of what we're all fighting towards. And, it's, yeah. it, I mean, look, here we are nitpicking and going against these characters that we love, but they're just jealous. They're just jealous that yeah. he's gotten money and that they're <laughs> struggling to you know survive with this. And I mean, and, and at the end of the day, his his death scene is kind of gruesome because, like, mm. poor Eddie gets skewered by like. And he has, I'm going to say, he has a reaction that rivals Melissa's when the truck <laughs> drops out! in front of. Him. <laughs> like it's one of the most over the top deaths ever. I, I absolutely do love his death, but but I mean it, it's gruesome to the point that even Bill and Joe's reaction is kind of just a disgusted. Oh, turn my head away! Like I can't watch. Yeah, but I don't understand I, this because the audience has been made to not like this guy. Therefore, his death, the purpose that fulfills in the movie, should be for the audience to be like, oh, he got what was coming for him. It's it's almost like um, the 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 assistant in Jurassic World when she gets picked mm-hmm. up by like the the dinosaur and then gets eaten by the 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 big water dinosaur. Like it's kind of like it's a cool death yeah. and like wow. You're the, or the lawyer in the first one, yeah. Yeah, and it's, but it's like that's it, you analyze it and you're thinking that's kind of <laughs> like wow, that's pretty full on. I'm like you got to yeah. think of Jonas in that car, right? He's driving along. His friend is like, his guts are everywhere. There's blood and just he's skewered next to him. He's flying around in this tornado, <laughs> shitting himself, banging on the roof, going, ah, I'm dying. And then, boom, he's, you know, Colin's favourite death, dead in a fireball. <laughs> um, I mean, you know so funny? Yeah, when that came up and that thing burst into flames, I believe my wife turned to me and says, it's like, I bet you find that kind of funny, don't you? <laughs> I love the, the facial reactions of, like, Jonas's crew, who are there just, like, yeah. looking, like, going, uh, what now? <laughs> We're out of the job, guys. And, like, can you not imagine the media reaction to this? It's like, oh, you know, the great Jonas Miller, who we were always interviewing, and the NSSL and all this sort of stuff has died. Oh, and also, in other news, a rival tornado group also got the success up in the thing. <laughs> um, it's it's strange, and, like, it's kind of like in the lead-up to this and everything, I, I mean, I love the whole section when they're driving down the road, and it's like, right, left, right, and then they drive through the house with the, the really cheesy line oh, yeah. of, oh, I think we're going in! <laughs> like that. And his voice cracks like he's in puberty, that's great. Um, and just one thing, too, I, again, I'm probably jumping all over the place here, because I know we're really only just focusing no, no, no. on... Jonas here, but the bit where the truck, like that's, it's, I like the tense nature of it where they're like, what the hell is that? What is that? And then you realize, oh shit, it's a semi trailer. Um, yeah. but when that crashes in front of them, I timed it six seconds they drove through that fireball. Now, Colin, <laughs> you should be happy at that point. They're dead. There's no way that they can survive that. And even like, why aren't their tires like rubber burns? Like, why yeah. isn't that like melted? And I'm sorry, Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt in that moment, are dead. <laughs> uh, it's a very good point. Um, kind of like when Aunt Meg probably should have been dead when her house collapsed on her. <laughs> it's because you wish that happened. <laughs> Actually, one but, run, I mean, really, is... really, really quick thing. I'm just sorry. I know I, this yeah. is a random thing. I've just noticed on my notes here that I haven't mentioned this at all in this episode. 
I'd love to go back and watch this movie and count the amount of times Bill mentions the words "son of a bitch" because I swear if there's a if there's a catchphrase in this movie besides "better than what you sniff," it's Bill <laughs> saying "son of a bitch" because he says it so much in this movie. Uh. The the sequences here with, like, the driving through the house and everything, I mean, that's kind of part one of, I guess, I called it two parts, but it's more like part three, uh, because the second part is, well, they're going to anchor this thing and drive it right into the twister, so we get an action sequence of them driving through a cornfield or something like that, <laughs> which really is more tense than I think it, it should, if you just describe it to somebody, it should be. I always love the visual of them jumping out of this car, and I'd imagine, you know, uh, what type of speed are they going at and stuff like that. And you, Of course, when the truck gets sucked up, I mean, it's this big heroic moment, and Dorothy's finally flying in Airborne and Great everybody's music. celebrating. Yeah, but, like, they don't let you, you know, enjoy the celebration because it is immediately like, oh, uh, the tornado's shifting, guys. It's coming right for you. And we get, like, the final showdown with this tornado, which we really should have had Joe just screaming. He's like, you took my dad. You're not taking <laughs> This me. is the dad. <laughs> it, it, it is kind of weird that in this movie they've, they've made a point to be like, it's Joe versus the Twister. I mean, this is what it ultimately comes down to. But they, they go looking for the shelter. And <laughs> I always forget this part is in the movie. And then as soon as they walk in, I remember it. And I burst out laughing before the line even comes where they see all those, like, blades and everything and all that sharp machinery from the farm equipment. <laughs> like, who lives here? <laughs> it's a strange moment because, I mean, they're just farmers. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, then it's, but it kind of makes you think because, and then, I don't know about you, but when they eventually emerge from the shelter at the end, I'm looking at it going, look at those evil bastards probably down there chopping up people and murdering people. <laughs> Bet you they're in cahoots with Charles Manson or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so many potential. This is what we're going back to the Twister Cinematic Universe. There's so many yeah. spin offs. <laughs> what were the farmers doing before the tornado came? <laughs> Belzer <laughs> investigates. <laughs> Belzer and Joey Slotnick, the new Sherlock and Watson. <laughs> I love you, my dear Slotnick. <laughs> 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 Featuring cameo by old man who didn't get his head chopped off. <laughs> and that woman who I can't even remember her name that we mentioned before, that Haynes, that's it, that <laughs> <laughs> loves an F4 tornado. <laughs> Better than what you sniff coming to cinemas this summer. <laughs> what was that? An F4 and F5? Eight? Five? Eight? Five? Eight? <laughs> I gotta go, honey. We got an eight. <laughs> um, I mean, they finally anchor themselves in here, which <laughs> I'm sorry. It's such a great moment in the movie, and it, it, it really does hold up as a great climax. Mm-hmm. That like they're the tornado sucking everything up <laughs> around them, but the they've zone. belted themselves with. Like, <laughs> Some leather belt <laughs> to a pipe in the ground, and this thing is ripping up entire houses. And not only, like, I, I even if they did hold on, like, shouldn't their arms have been ripped out of their sockets for holding on that tight? But the, at the very least, They're their clothes? clothes should have been pulled right off yes, their backs. Exactly. Like this movie is them naked, 
buck naked. <laughs> I was not Maybe naked. Half naked. naked. Maybe half naked or something like that. And that should have been the end of the movie. <laughs> and Bill should be there yelling, have a drink! Have a drink! <laughs> have a drink! <laughs> And he tosses a lemonade. The Melissa's <laughs> lemonade finally lands, and that's there where the tornado dies. There's closure. <laughs> There's the plot hole. The lemonade. <laughs> Not Have the Pepsi, a lemonade. Of course. <laughs> uh, that's it. Like you said, the family comes out. The Manson family comes out at the end. <laughs> <laughs> they, they argue about who's running the lab or whatever. <laughs> Everybody comes and they're like, hey, look at the rainbow or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Double rainbow, double, double rainbow. Double. <laughs> that, that's what Dusty grew up to be. Was the double rainbow guy? He was stoned this whole movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and we all know. Five minutes later, that farmer is chopping their heads off. Whatever he's got. That's just the continuation. It's you know, it's like Quantum of Solace following Casino Royale. That's the sequel. Straight away, he's come out of the shelter with blood, and he's like. Honey, we got some new victims. <laughs> it's like, but that is Twister, and we end with "Respect the Wind" or whatever that song is called. Um, and the end, the the perfect end to a perfect standalone movie. Um, anything else to add on the the climax of this movie? Yeah, I mean, this is maybe the bit where I do nitpick it because you're absolutely right. Like, how the fuck do they survive being tied by a leather belt um, to a pipe um, as an F5 tornado? It's a mile wide. Um, I mean, it's a cool sequence. We're getting them flying up. We see there's a twister within a twister. It's, you know, it's kind of cool, but it's you've got to analyse these people. I mean, these are people that, I guess, survived being in a fireball for six seconds. Um, but, like... And when this tornado hits them, it lasts for probably about 60 seconds. Yeah. I don't know, but, like, for something that's a mile wide to pass over them, it would probably take something like 60 minutes at the speed this thing goes. And I've just Googled the fact that for a a tornado to be classified as an F5, it's got to have wind speeds of more than 200 miles an hour. Um, (laughs) I don't know about you if you've ever stood in winds of 200 miles an hour and not exactly as you said had your limbs ripped off and things like that we we had winds here just the other day in Winnipeg that was probably about 80 kilometers an hour okay and you're holding on to stuff when you're getting Mm -hmm. in and out of your car you have a firm grip yeah, I've, yeah, <laughs> they, I've been in winds be of more than 100 kilometers an hour here before, and yeah, yeah. you're you're like getting blown over everywhere. Um, but it's yeah, that's I mean, and the other thing too, it's like how the fuck do they outrun this thing? Like their cars getting sucked up, and they still have the time to run that far. <laughs> like you know, again, it's a movie, Ben. But um, yeah, it's I mean, it's a I think it's a gr- great way to end it. Uh, Bill again has the magic power of the tornado just disappearing. Um, yeah. <laughs> You know, and again, going back to when, you know, they've brought up F5 and it's like, oh, no, don't mention an F5. That killed Joe's dad. It's like all of a sudden they're celebrating an F5. Like, you know, yeah. Dor- they're good now because Dorothy's in one. Um, what happens to those sensors? Like, do they then just get scattered all over the ground? And like, does one of them land on one of the farmers coming out of the the, the shed and like the Pepsi can like chops their jugular vein or something? Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't imagine they're not in a way weirdly dangerous. 
um, yeah, well, I mean, not around. as dangerous as what's in the the barn, but <laughs> <laughs> enough to at least you know uh, scratch an old guy's forehead or something. <laughs> we should we should mention that um, this actually the the whole Dorothy system was actually a legitimate uh, thing that happened, in, I believe, in the eighties. Um, that uh, reading here it was copied from the real life Toto. I see what they did there with Dorothy. Uh, used in the <laughs> 1980s uh, by the National Severe Storms Laboratory. So, um, you know, creative license. The, the, I'm sure that if you live near tornadoes, you might have 15-minute warnings now, thanks to Toto. So you can thank the NSSL as well as Bill Paxton and Helen Hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, as we mentioned at the beginning of this movie, this was a huge hit. It was also one of the first movies that kind of jump-started the summer movie season early. You know, in, in years prior to this, there had been movies. The summer movie season used to always start at the Memorial Day weekend, uh, like, let's say, the third or fourth weekend in May. Uh, and that was the beginning of summer. And in a couple of years prior to this, they would have a bigger movie that would open a few weeks earlier, but nothing at this level. This came out uh, maybe about a week earlier than that, and... It outgrossed Mission Impossible, which was the Memorial Day movie the week after that. I mean, this was the second highest grossing movie of the year. Mission Impossible was number three. Only Independence Day made more money than this. So this Mm -hmm. movie was a huge hit. And I don't think it also gets enough credit for basically reviving the disaster genre. I mean, disaster movies, I I became a huge fan after seeing this of just even classic disaster movies. You know, in the 70s when it was at its peak, the Poseidon Adventure and the Towering Inferno Earthquake. I mean, I watched all those movies because of Twister. And there was nothing in the 70s bigger than disaster movies. And Twister brought that back. There really weren't any major disaster movies prior to this. Following this, I guess you could classify Independence Day, which came out the same year as maybe a semi-disaster movie. But the next year, you'd have Volcano, Dante's Peak, uh, Armageddon, Deep Impact the year after that. You know, the, the Day After Tomorrow, 2012. I mean, we have huge disaster movies still to this day. But I struggle to think of anything prior to Twister in between that 70s craze and this, where people were capitalizing on this. And this really got that genre going again. It became probably the biggest thing of the late half of the 90s. And it's if people ask me what's my favorite, like, what's your favorite type of movie, you know, and I, I would often put Disaster Movie up there probably is my mm. favorite. Yeah. I love a movie with shit getting destroyed. Like, I'm just, I'm strange that way. And, you know, it's, I mean, a huge Independence Day fan, huge fan of all those ones that you just mentioned, sort of, that came out afterwards. Um you know, when it's just as soon as I see any form of trailer for like a movie where a city's getting destroyed or something like that, yeah. I'm there. Like Roland Emmerich, you know, um, mm. just he just he does them well, except for Independence Day too. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and I mean the thing we should mention, like as you're saying, box office huge um, awards. I mean, we mentioned like Razzies. I mean, this was nominated for two two Academy Awards, didn't win any of them, but um, it was nominated mm. for best sound and uh, of course best visual effects. Now it did lose to Independence. Day, which I guess is probably a fair enough point. Yeah. Um, the other one it was nominated against was Dragonheart. Um, <laughs> um, Sean Connery. I, yep. Um, and sound-wise, it lost to The English Patient, uh, was also oh. nominated up against Independence Day, The Rock, and Avita. Uh, so Madonna. there you go. Madonna can get nominated for Best Sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting looking at... Um, on Wikipedia, they've got here that, you know, it was nominated for two Academy Awards, nominated for two Golden Raspberries, and I think we mentioned it won the worst written film grossing over $100 million. 
Uh, but then there's also apparently the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards, um, in which it was nominated for Worst Picture, Worst Supporting Actress, which Jamie Gertz won, and the worst screenplay for a film grossing over hundred million dollars, which it also won. So um, I'm just gonna I'm gonna object to something here. There were 15 movies that I'm looking at that made over a hundred million dollars in 1996. Now, most of them are movies that are like considered classics, you know, like like Scream and The Rock, Jerry Maguire, Mission Impossible, Independence Day. But The Nutty Professor Aww. and Eraser, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger, but Eraser yeah. had a better script than Twister? No, come on. No, I mean, I, I, I'm a Nutty Professor fan, but yeah, Eraser. Uh, I'm looking here a few as well. Uh, Birdcage? Oh. Was the bird? Was that ninety six? Was I thought that was later. Though. I didn't realize that the hunchbacks of not uh, the hunchback of Notre Dame and one hundred one Dalmatians <laughs> made so much money that year. Wow. Okay. Yeah, one hundred one Dalmatians had a better script than this. Come on. Is that is that the animated one or the live version? The live action. The, oh, the Glenn Close one, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and of course, as we mentioned, uh, this movie launched Helen Hunt and Bill Paxton as movie stars. You know, Bill Paxton had had in, uh, Apollo 13 prior to this, but, I mean, as a leading man, this was probably one of his only ones, but, I mean, he definitely became a bigger star because of this. Helen Hunt would win the Academy Award one year after this movie mm-hmm. uh, for as good as it gets, and she would also, I think, win the Emmy that year, too, becoming the first person to win an Emmy and an Oscar in the same year. Um, it also killed the career, as you said, of Van Halen, <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Uh, killed the career of director Janda Bond, who would go on to make a moderate hit with uh, The Haunting a couple years later, but also had Speed 2 in there. Uh, and, and Lara, Lara Croft, Croft too. <laughs> and has he even directed a movie since Tomb Raider? Uh, no, <laughs> he hasn't. Oh. He was a cinematographer on the great film Nima Avonia Zagreb, which is a oh. Dutch film. Uh, Better than so, what you said. Yeah, <laughs> that's the subplot to it. Um, <laughs> well, apparently, actually, we should mention that he was slated to direct the Godzilla film that, I mean, we mentioned mm. Roland Emmerich came out two years later, yeah. which, again, I think we already mentioned that you and I are both fans of that film. We're the only fans <laughs> of 1998's Godzilla. Um, but he quit because Sony Pictures basically wouldn't give him the budget for it. So, I mean, look... You know, Godzilla has a very bad reputation, so I don't really think Jan de Bont could have made it any worse. Uh, but, I mean, I love it, and, again, whatever. <laughs> I've got bad taste. <laughs> I, I, I'll say I, I might even love it more than the most recent Godzilla, which was also pretty bad. Uh, yeah. in my opinion. I mean, there's there's arguments for it. I, I would probably join you in that club, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, yeah, Big Careers launched as a part of this. We also mentioned, you know, some of the other ones, Jeremy Davies, Todd Field, Philip Seymour Hoffman, of course. Uh, it would take Philip Seymour Hoffman a couple of years later, but he would win an Oscar, too, for um, uh, Capote, which filmed here in Winnipeg as well. So uh, Joey Slotnick still hasn't won his Oscar yet, sadly. But, Joey um... Slotnick. <laughs> we, we, we really do need to get Joey Slotnick on this. Joey Slotnick, if you're... If this is one of the many podcasts that Joey Slotnick <laughs> listens to... <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine he's doing much else with his life. Oh, look, yeah. someone's talking about Twister. Oh. You know what? We, like, we need I, to do the Blast from the Past one and Nip Tuck like within yeah. a week. So it's just, this is our Joey Slotnick tribute uh, <laughs> trilogy. If, if, if we can get 100 subscribers within the next week, 
we will have a surprise walk-on from Joy Slaughter <laughs> now in <Yeah>. September. <laughs> Done. Easy. <laughs> And we will do it in person. Colin and I will fly to Hollywood and we will knock on his door. Because <laughs> I'm, sure I'm sure it's in the white pages. <laughs> All we got to do is just go up and go, hey, Bill. He's <laughs> <laughs> famous flying. I'm sure, I'm sure if we were to take a Hollywood Homes tour, the number one destination is Joey Slotnick's house. <laughs> when are we going to see Brad Pitt's house? When are we going to see Tom Cruise? Ah, wait, wait, wait. Here's Joey, Joey Slotnick's house. <laughs> And it's a cardboard box on the street. <laughs> He's got the tattoo on his forehead from Blast from the Past. <laughs> that, that, that he was... actually didn't act in that movie. That was him. He didn't know he was in that movie. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Diner sequence was just a reality TV show. Um, but that is Twister. I guess we wrap this up by giving it our recommendations, our reviews. So... <laughs> We basically have, um, what are the categories again? I'm Buy it, rent host. it, or bin it. <laughs> uh, yeah, is this on the shelf? Is this uh, rental, or is this in the in the bin? Is well, was that the, the bad one? <laughs> one of those. Um, I don't even have to debate. This is buying it, you know, every yeah. day of the week. The first this ever is... DVD made. This is, uh, this is lining up, buying it, not even a debate here, uh, easily. Yeah, it's it's on the shelf. And as I said, I had a weird reaction to this where I was absolutely nuts for it when it was in the theaters, you know, saw it three times in one week. And then when it was on video, I watched it and didn't really bother with it for a long time after that. But like being able to see this now, you know, on Blu-ray, on DVD, my original DVD that's still sitting <laughs> over there. <laughs> Laserdisc. Uh, yeah, Laserdisc. Uh, this is dying for a 3d release like seriously there are shots in this movie that look like they're made for 3d but even just in general you know 3d nowadays it's all about you know being able to just see the 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 background the foreground and all these little things i mean i want this to be 3d and it's not impossible i mean they don't have to do a theatrical release in the last couple of years we've had movies like top gun and even jumper with hayden christensen had a 3d blu-ray release when it was not a three-day movie in the first place so somebody get out there and make this one in 3d and i think they've probably sadly missed their opportunity because i mean it was obviously the 20th anniversary in in 2016 mm-hmm. um i mean they did that with jurassic park and obviously with titanic uh, you know in in 2012 you know the 100th anniversary of the sinking but i mean now, I guess that sadly Bill Paxton has passed. Maybe, you know, there's a bit more of demand for it out there. Um, and, I mean, I agree with you. It's it's definitely one that, that deserves it. And it's, it's I mean, going back to right, right what you said at the beginning of the episode about how this is one of those ones you watch it in the cinema. Um, I mean, this is this is a, a Blu-ray Dolby surround sound movie that you've got to, you know, you've got your good surround sound set up at home. This is, this is one that definitely pays off for it. So for someone like me who might have downloaded this movie, uh, <laughs> even though I own it on DVD, it's in a box somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it definitely pays the big screen experience as well. Um, I guess we'll also very quickly, we mentioned some stuff about the sequel and the potential plot for the sequel, but there was talk about there being a sequel to this pretty much as soon as it came out. And if my memory serves me right, I remember reading multiple stories about this and I even still have a magazine. I wish I remembered to pull it out here where it was a magazine from the year 2000, where they're talking about potential sequels that are coming and Twister 2 is mentioned in there. And the frequent story that always came up was that they could never get Helen Hunt or Bill Paxton to agree to it because it was so brutal filming this movie that they were basically blasted with 
200 you know mile per hour they were blinded uh, at one point they were actually legitimately blinded at one point filming this movie yeah it was it was a very rough filming experience so they basically nobody wanted to come back it wasn't you know i don't want to do that character i don't like that movie but it was too hard of an experience for the actors um it's something that'd be a lot easier today and we're probably just going to end up in another five years getting some terrible reboot of this with teenagers which i think they made a couple of years ago into the storm or something like that yeah i, I mean i i remember seeing that being advertised like, oh this looks cool but i mm-hmm. mean it, I, i've never seen it i kind of don't want to because it looks pretty yeah. bad and, but um yeah i mean if you, you would feel if this movie was made today we would already be talking about the sequel because i mean not that they didn't quickly make sequels in the 90s but i mean they seem to do it more so today um but yeah going back to what we said it's, I'm, I'm glad i mean as much as i love this movie this is one of those ones where it's like I'm satisfied we don't have a sequel. Yeah. Now, particularly that Bill Paxton has sadly passed away, it's it's one of these ones that just wouldn't work. It's like, you know, you don't want to see this without Bill Paxton. Um, and it's... I mean, I, I follow Helen Hunt on Twitter and Facebook, and I know that when Bill died, she posted just, you know, a picture of them together and just a nice little thing about it. And that's the memories you want to have because, you know, you have such good, fond memories of this film and both of them working so well together. Um, so, yeah, if the Hollywood gods are listening to us, never make a sequel. And and also, like, we shouldn't just be talking sequel. Let's hope you were saying about reboots with teenagers. Let's just hope they just don't remake this film. Like, yeah. in 20 years' time, like, oh, remember when Twisted... Let's remake it. Like, no. Like, I would rather it's, a sequel than a remake. And it's something that they would never do again by having this really not cool crew of just average people as the action stars. We would never see that again. Yeah. Uh, do we have a kind of Hall of Fame scene, moment, character? What is the number one standout from this movie for you? Ooh, geez. Uh, everything with uh, Melissa in it. Uh, <laughs> Jamie Gertz. Uh, I don't know. It's a tough one because, like, I mean, you know, there's so many. I mean, we talk about the visual effects and just everything along with it. I mean, gosh, I mean... It, I, that that's a good question, Colin Hilding. I don't know. <laughs> just I mean, to, for me, to think of I'm, one. I'm going with just plain and simple, Dusty. And there's a lot of things I love about <laughs> this movie, but like Dusty, I not. It's not even a joke when I said earlier that he was like my hero. He really was when I saw this movie. <laughs> All right, we'll start with that. I'm going to put Melissa. Uh, that or random coffee girl eight. Uh, eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I was. I mean, Melissa. I just. I don't know. You just you have those movies. Like you think I joke about it, but you have those movies where you just, as you just said with Dusty, you, you you'd like a particular character, and they might just be a random side character that you know they just do something to you. And that sounds a bit wrong, but um, <laughs> the suck zone. Um, but like I don't know, it's just something about it's just every time I watch these movies, I, I would not know how many times I've watched this movie in my life. It's just, I appreciate uh, Melissa even more because she's just random and just there. And, you know, shame on you, Golden Razzies, for even putting her there. And what's the other one? Stinkers Bad Movie Awards? I mean, what even is that? <laughs> no. Uh, I would like to be able to identify if we're looking for anybody other than Joey Slotnick. There is an IMDb credit for Driving Girl. There's two of them listed here Samantha McDonald or Jennifer L. Hamilton. So, wow. We'll get them both. Either on. Of them, yeah, if either <laughs> of them are listening, just, let's just bring them both on. We, they could tell us what that conversation was that they didn't want to and have. We can be like, what, tell, us, tell us what was in your head as an actress, you know, <laughs> getting into the zone where you had to really become the character that replied to Helen Hunt with eight. 
How did you? How, how did, did you get some the eight girl? <laughs> was it like Heath Ledger where he became the Joker and it pushed him to a point <laughs> where he became psychotic? Like, did you just go to diners and order coffees and see their reactions and just live as a diner? Like, did you live as an actual live diner? As diner. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you let people enter you and order coffee. That sounds wrong, <laughs> but. <laughs> The suck zone. Well, <laughs> Better than what you sniff. <laughs> <laughs> and that was Twister, and that was Bill Paxton, our tribute to Bill Paxton. Um, and it might be the last and, Bill Paxton movie we do, as if we're not going to do yeah. Apollo 13. And we're, we're planning on multiple Joy Slotniks. I'm sure we'll have another <laughs> yes. Bill Paxton at some yes. point. You know, but, exactly. Uh, yeah. But uh, obviously, we'll have lots of content here on the Oz Network. We are covering movies. We're covering TV shows. Uh, if you want us to cover a certain movie, and we have lots that we're planning, but if there's one that you want us to cover, you know, if it's something that's timely right now, like you know a Bill Paxton movie, or if it's something that you would just love to hear two guys that <laughs> normally like watching Twister or The Sixth Day talk about something really awful that we would never go near not twilight other than twilight (laughs) (laughs) that will be the last movie we ever do all right we 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 will be doing like the cinema of azerbaijan before we get to twilight okay if you want to challenge us for the cinema of azerbaijan then just hit us up on twitter hit us up on facebook subscribe to us on itunes review us tell us what you want us to review next maybe we'll do it maybe we won't it depends on how the mood strikes us <laughs> and uh i am calling or i have been calling and there was another calling an evil calling and i killed him and my name is ben or was ben and you didn't only marry my penis thank you for listening to the oz network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at the oz network.net